I think, you know, just to put it short, it's designed and built for freestyle. It's um, honestly, it can spin and rotate with no effort. The powder weight ratio is actually more than a 450 from a stock 250. So just purely because of the weight of it. And uh, it rides a lot better than any 250 I have ridden so far, as far as pickup and performance goes, just on a ramp, obviously. Absolutely terrible in a straight line. <laughs> can turn on a dime, but it, it can jump and move, and, and that's what it's designed for. Hi everyone, this is a very special episode of the Riders Lounge podcast. This episode is all about the new custom FMX bike design created entirely by Levi Sherwood in his own mind, using his own hands and a 3D printer as well, or a few of them. I'm Steve Sommerfeld, the host of the Riders Lounge podcast, and I'm going to let you get a little bit prepared here. This is going to be the most in-depth interview both for this podcast channel ever, but also I think on this bike that Levi has created, and I'm so incredibly stoked that Levi took the time out to talk about his new creation in so much detail. And if you think this sounds a little bit familiar and you've already listened to this podcast before, I want to let you know this is all new. We first caught up with Levi almost one year ago to cover just why he retired from freestyle motocross so early. And we definitely did touch on the topics of him building the ultimate FMX bike and also designing the next gen ramp to set the new standard in freestyle motocross competitions. But it's now one year on. The bike Levi spoke about last year, well, that's completely redesigned over and above what he filled us in on last time. So this is all new, and this episode is focused specifically on the bike design. And the last time I think that we got this excited about bike changes in freestyle motocross was when Ian and Paul Everest came out with the unit Skycraft over a decade ago to show what could be done with carbon fiber when it was a relatively new product. And if you didn't catch that previous episode with Paul Everest, he talks all about that bike as well. So just scroll back. It should only be about one or two episodes before this one. So after everything, Levi Sherwood, he has spent the past few years developing and redefining all of the things that he wanted to change on a stock motocross bike and how he could turn this into the machine that he probably wished he had for his entire freestyle motocross career. And something I wish I had during my entire freestyle motocross career was a beer sponsor. And I'm absolutely pumped to work with one of the most progressive beer brands in the world with Rothaus, who have also innovated the production of creating the best alcohol-free alcohol free versions of the Tannen Zepfler line of beers. And I'm so happy to work with them to let you know there are just so many better options out there for an alcohol-free beer. I also forgot to say, as this is incredibly in-depth and we are both looking at images as we were discussing this bike, I will try my hardest to put this audio into a full video so you can actually see parts of the bike that we're talking about as we go through each aspect, part by part, bolt by bolt. If I can make it happen, I will put a link in the show notes to go to recast.app, which is a new sports streaming platform, and you can watch it all there for free. 
And the cool thing is your views will actually help this podcast out directly. So it's win-win. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the man himself talk about one of the most exciting advances we've seen in freestyle motocross in years. Mate, we're all just trying to work out what the hell <laughs> you're up to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what you're doing, but I think everybody mm. else is trying to guess where you're going, where you've come from, what what the plan yeah. is, what the end goal is. It's 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 really and for me like this is really exciting because you're it's all playing out in front of our eyes. You've been mm. showing us everything you've been doing for a very long time, like since you started building, was it BMXs or mountain bike frames and BMX stuff frames, like yeah. that? Yeah, BMX frames. Yeah, like you've you've showed us what what you want to do. You've showed us the bike, like, and it's still mm. very intriguing. Um, and there's a lot of questions around it. So I'm I'm actually really stoked that you you wanted to jump on and talk about the bike again. Um, and I didn't yeah, think that it was that long too. ago that we spoke, but it was actually last year. I, I went back and I tried to find the interview and it was last year. So actually a lot has happened. Yeah, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's been a long time. I think when we last talked, I was deep in the design work with it. Maybe it might have been longer than that. But yeah, she has been a long time coming. <laughs> it's, yeah. um, and yeah, no, I'm pretty stoked to talk to you because then just an easy way to answer everyone's questions and get it out there without having to, you know, go one by one or do whatever and just have a bit of a convo about it. Yeah, well, yeah, mate, that's awesome. I'm stoked you wanted to do it and mm. and spend a little bit of time on it. I know you've had a hell of a lot of messages. I think there's like 20,000 people have been on just on the Instagram picture, just sending messages and carrying on there. So you must have been absolutely overwhelmed when you put those two photos up. Was that about two months ago? Yeah, it must have been now. Um, I was, um, yeah, I was, I was. Um, I had planned to, I did want to put it on earlier because it's been finished for a long time and I've been riding it all year, uh, but I'm still waiting. I actually have the brakes here at home, but just waiting on a couple parts. Like, so I've got custom brakes built for it as well. Oh, kind really? of just top it all off and it's just, it, yeah, real epic. Um, <sighs> and I did want to wait till that was all done. Yeah. And I hadn't really, I haven't really seen the end of that coming too soon. So I was like, I'll stop it. We'll just carry on with it and I'll put some new photos up when the breaks are done. So that's kind of why it took so long with it. Um, and yeah, you know, it's good to kind of put it out there and see what everyone thinks. And uh, yeah, it's been interesting um, seeing feedback. There's a lot of good feedback, which is cool. And it's, it's real, um, real interesting reading some of the comments and, just getting everyone's take on why something might be one way. And a lot of people are very close to certain reasons. And then, um, yeah, yeah. So that's nah, pretty cool. Pretty cool. How, how many shit comments have you got? <laughs> oh, not too many. Um, I don't know. I probably haven't even read them all to be honest. I'm quite terrible with that stuff, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, not too I noticed many you don't all, update your Instagram too often. <laughs> no, I don't really, um, don't really care for social media to be honest. So, <laughs> just put on the, uh, mostly just put on bikes, uh, bike stuff every now and then. Yeah. Well, um, 
we did talk about it in that first episode. Uh, yeah, first episode of uh, talking with you. It was, we were talking about that. We we're talking about retirement, the ramp, and everything like that. And that podcast was easily the most listened to podcast I've had. Um, I think everybody's really wanting to know more about what you're up to, what what's going through that mind, which I think is awesome. It shows at least there's still a lot of interest out there in, in development and progression. So well done on that. What do you actually call this bike? Because when we spoke last year, you did say you're already working on this one and it was nearly finished, but you didn't want to say anything at that point. Is this like model 2.0 or 2.13 or is this the 2021 model? I don't know. What are you calling it? Yeah, um, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't really have a name at the moment. It just says what it is. Um, and yeah, it's funny because the bike was built. Obviously, I started building this stuff like, I don't know, three, four, five years ago. And then about right at the time when I kind of finished competing and broke my ankles when this design started. And I designed it probably three times over since then and just played around with it. And originally it hadn't I hadn't planned to make it so excessive, like make the whole bike. I've kind of planned to just modify the KTM a little bit further than I had. And um the biggest thing I wanted to change with on the KTM was the fork angle. Yeah. And that's what led me to this, uh, this whole bike. Um and originally it was like, oh yeah, cool, I'll I'll just make a frame and then I can use like KDM triple clamps and all sorts of stuff and then you know, it's like you start one thing, you go this far, and you're like, well, I might as well start making bolts for it, you know, <laughs> down to like the brake levers, the shifters, everything. So I was like, oh, I might as well, even to the degree I made my own sprockets. Um, it actually, it doesn't even have it on there now. <laughs> I designed my own sprocket and put it on there. And that's the only change I made on the bike was I changed the rear gearing by one tooth. So <laughs> I need to redesign a sprocket. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I got lost in that question a little bit. But that's kind of how it escalated, I think. Yeah. And then, oh, so where it was going, um, I didn't really have any need to finish it once I started stopped competing. But I just obviously love engineering and um, and still like riding. Uh, so it was like, oh, I might as well continue with it. And it was a good little, um, probably a good little thing to show what I can do with my company and, and on the engineering side of things. So that's where I'd like to go down. It's just, yeah. Originally I started wanting to develop parts and, and, and really push that stuff, which I do enjoy, but it's very labor intensive for like minimal reward at the end of the day. So I kind of think I'll end up, um, wouldn't mind us building a custom bike or two every year, you know, whether it might be freestyle bike or motocross bike or road bike, whatever it might be, just do a project bike every year. Yeah. Um, which is kind of what this bike's taught me. But um, yeah, if I was still competing, there's probably a few things that I would update on the bike as it is now. Um, not much at all. Like I was pretty fortunate when I first started riding, everything worked very well. Um, put that down to like just as much, like all the R&D I did on my original bike I built. Um which is pretty awesome. Like I think, like I said, I changed the rear sprocket tooth once and actually just the other day I moved the needle clip. So it's the only changes I made on that bike or even pulled it apart. That's, um, it's pretty cool, you know, so, but as far as what I would change, um, 
it's a chromoly frame right now and originally i had intended to go down the lines of say um, carbon fiber would be ideal or titanium but obviously the um there's a whole nother project in itself yeah. just purely doing that so uh, i thought oh you know what i'll just get the bike built and then if i'm still keen to go further from here i can uh, and yeah that's about it i kind of also cool. wanted to redesign the engine cases mm. um but yeah i don't think i'll end up going down that far i think i'll move on to something else before i do that uh you say that you'll you'll probably <laughs> go ah oh, bugger this I'm, I'm gonna do it now but i was actually i was thinking about this chat that we're having now and i wasn't going to have any questions for you i wanted to see where you kind of go and the more i thought about that the more i thought actually i'm going to put a lot of questions to you but mm-hmm. i'm going to shoot them through and you can smash these out as as fast as or as slow as you like but in my mind, I was like, what you have done, you have built pretty much your own bike. You've started with a KTM, or at least with the engine, and you've built around that. So I thought I'll go to KTM.com yeah. and look at what a motorbike website looks like and what they say. And basically, I'm going to start at the top and I want to end at the end. And I, and I think you could pretty much fill in every space with your own custom details that you'd probably forget in the middle so righto this is from ktm.com base yep. price eight thousand one hundred and forty nine. Oh, i'm in england at the moment so great british pounds um yeah. would you put a price on your bike to start with <laughs> well there is a so I'm, I'm building one for a bike collector right now so there is a price on it um oh. it is non-comparable <laughs> to, to any bike purely just because of the labor involved um absolutely and obviously carbon fiber so yes, there is a price. You probably don't want to know it, let alone ride it. <laughs> I really do want to know it, but I, I understand secrecy. <laughs> Maybe I'll, I'll tell you offline. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, All right. it, yeah, it is what it is. Too easy. Perfect. Yeah. That's, that's actually quite a good answer for now. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go through the rest of it. The KTM 250SX is a legend among motocrosses, featuring a high-performance two-stroke engine, a proven state-of-the-art chassis and top-shelf componentry, and there are a few other machines that come close to sheer ferocity. Mate, if you had one sentence to, to say what your bike can do, what would it be? Okay. Um, and what could one sentence? Well, it's, it's this is very. You can hard. think about it's, this. We can do this at the end of the episode if you like. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to talk to a marketing person for that. But I think you know, just to put it short, it's it's designed and built for freestyle. It's um, honestly, it can spin and rotate with no effort. Um, it the powder weight ratio is actually more than a four fifty, and from a stock two fifty. So just purely because of the weight of it. And uh, so it, 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 it rides a lot better than any 250 I have ridden so far, um, as far as pickup and performance goes, just on a ramp, obviously. Yeah. Absolutely terrible in a straight line. <laughs> can turn on a dime, but it, it can jump and move, and, and that's what it's designed for. 
Oh, yeah, I think you need to talk to somebody in marketing about that. <laughs> we, we can talk about that after this episode yeah. as well, mate. I'm, I'm like, not too stressed. I'm not here to, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can, up, I can do your, um, yeah, yeah. Your, your writing for the website. All right. So Great. just three, three overall numbers. Yeah. What's your overall weight? Right now, <clears throat> in its unfinished forms, 85 kilos wet. So that's water, oil, fuel. Um, Yep. Now, the reason I was hesitant to even post it is because I've still got to, I've still got to assemble the, the motor I've built for it and the brakes. Now, projected weight for that will be 82 kilos wet, maybe a touch less. Really? Um, yeah. So you, I was actually you, aiming for 79 kilos. kilos. You think you can drop? <laughs> yeah, it's about 1.2 kilos just in the brakes. Um, and crap. the motor I'm using is only a single speed. So, and then all the rest I've changed in it as well. So yeah, oh, which yeah, is dude. still just a 250. Um, I had played with three hundreds before, but this does not need it. It's, um, uh, yeah, it's, it, she's, she goes very good. She goes good. All right. Yeah. I, I know you've played with swing arms in the, and the fork, uh, you know, the rake. Yep. So what's your length of the bike? Um, I could tell you, but I won't. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I will not tell you that much. I guess we'll leave the height at that same answer as well. Then, well, the height is, um, <clears throat> it's actually I've lowered the suspension surprisingly quite a lot. Yeah, um, but obviously, as you can imagine, as you increase the rake of the fork, it actually increases the height. So, to maintain that <laughs> and little things, um, I can tell. Uh, I think off the top of my head, the shock's been lowered about 20 mil of the stroke, which is actually quite a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that, I mean, that gives you no details that I, I care to give away, so I'm happy for that. And, and the fork's about 25 mil. But, um, yeah, any, anywho, that, that gives you height. But your seat height's re relatively the same, and, and your length okay. is a lot shorter, a lot shorter. Yeah, that's what I thought yeah. when I looked at the pictures. I I felt I could see that quite mm. easily, but you know mm. when when you look at pictures, there's always distortions as well. So um, yeah, right, and, and that, that's the that's yeah. the goal when you take the photos. I mean, now design bikes. I now understand how um, the big companies shoot their bikes and put them online because you can actually. I mean, it's pretty rough, but you can actually get a very good gauge on bike detail from photos. Yeah, right. So it's quite interesting. Yeah. Spent, okay. I spent many hours studying all the other bikes when I was doing this. That's so funny. Right, mm. so the KTM break it down into four different sections. We've got the engine, the frame, the ergonomics, and bodywork and graphics. I'm going to add a fifth one in there at the end of all this and more, you know, freestyle motocross specific parts. But uh, so engine and exhaust, you said yep. it's a 250cc. <laughs> you didn't go the 300 like you've been playing with? Yep. Yep, yeah, so just uh, uh, 250cc, um, obviously everything's just fine-tuned a little bit from there. Not not too much, to be honest. Um, and then the exhaust is all custom-built. Um, now the exhaust is, the detail of the exhaust is actually near exact a stock KTM 250SX. Um, oh. The muffler is a certain length that I've learned that I like over the years. Okay. I like, I prefer, they're not dead stock because stock ones are huge, but, um, you know. Yeah, you, they you, look like uh, <laughs> the sneakers <laughs> hanging out the back. Yeah, wheelie bars, eh? Um, yeah. 
so yeah, I, I, I prefer, like over the years, I've always used the Pro Circuit uh, 304, not the Shorty. A lot of people okay. go for the Shorty, but KTMs don't really have the over-rev like the jet bike. So I prefer a longer muffler. But anyway, so that's about the only change I made, which I kind of incorporated in the muffler. And to design the <clears throat> the expansion chamber, expansion chamber was probably one of the hardest things for me to design and also understand and um Anyone like oh, I'm I'm pretty green with the expansion chambers, but I, I understand just obviously the basics. But anyone that really knows this stuff and that will will sit there and tell you it's <laughs> not an easy job. So that's why I just pretty much copied the 250 two-stroke and went from there. I, I actually really like the new. They used to always use the pro circuits, but the 2020 onwards um, stock expansion chamber works really well. So I, I prefer that. Now to do that, I 3D scanned it all, put it in the computer. And then uh, essentially spliced it every twenty millimeters, and took okay. the di- diameter, and obviously worked that volume and whatnot. Straightened it all out. Uh, I could show you on the computer. <laughs> this took me a long time, and then um, rerouted it through where I wanted to go. Um, and I pretty, I, I can't remember how long this took me, but it took me so many times because <clears throat> you're working it out and you're doing all these bends and whatnot, and you get to a point you're like, oh shoot, I'm about twenty meters, twenty. 20 mil too long or something. <laughs> I need to go back and, and change the routing. Um, so that was quite the experience. And then obviously I had to kind of learn about press and uh, I don't even know, really know what they're called, like press and die forms, you know, to actually form yep. the material. So I had originally planned to do a cone pipe, which I'd drawn all out and designed, and, and that was all cool. And I got about three quarters of the way through the first one. And I was about three days into building. I was like, this is not sustainable. If I dental break this pipe, I'm not going to be a happy man. So I was like, I'll stuff it. And I just, um, I had all the dies and forms made to press it out, which makes it a little bit more faster, a little bit more enjoyable, but obviously a lot more expensive. Um, Just going back one step there, when you said you did all this um, with the 3D scanner and, and then you were testing where it was going to reroute through the bike. Um, Did you, are you talking about testing on the computer in 3d CAD or did you mean testing as in you made pipes and that's all on CAD. Yeah. That was all on CAD. So you were testing everything in CAD. Yep. Yep. So the whole bike was built, designed and um, yeah, and all done on CAD beforehand. It was actually the okay. first thing I've ever drawn in CAD, to be honest. <laughs> so it's quite funny. Hey, learning um, on the job. <clears throat> yeah, well, I mean, I started, like, when I first... I, I mean, I kind of... I had played around with odds and ends, but, you know, you build a ramp or something on CAD, that's pretty basic stuff. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, I started with what I did to kind of really get a grip for the software was I got the wheels, suspension, the components I was going to use, and drew them from scratch and, and whatnot, you know. Um. And then by the time I'd kind of done those few little projects, I've obviously learned the basics to be able to step into drawing it. And then I drew the bike about three times over start to finish. But then the final time I was like, I think I'm about right here. We're good to go. So, yeah. Well, well, while we're on the exhaust, um, yep. we do have the, I, the shape is completely different. So you can talk about that in a second, but uh Squibby did send through a voice message. I'll just play it now if you would like to answer this question. Um, with regards to Levi's bike, um, 
One of my first thoughts was when I saw the exhaust system and I wondered about how the power characteristics were because obviously that exhaust pipe, the shape and the route that it takes is massively different or visually appears massively different to a standard header pipe. Um, so I wondered what the performance characteristics were like with the exhaust system taking the route that it does. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> good question. Now, um, it actually performs the same. Hmm. It's very hard to say. I would like to, I haven't dynoed it, but um, I, might, I, I probably will once I get the final motor in there. So it'll be quite interesting to see, but um, the bike rides better. Now, I'm not sure if it's just because it's, you know, 20 kilos lighter or because of maybe that the exhaust runs a little bit better, <laughs> you know. Um, it, it just gets up and goes. But And then also the expansion chamber is made from stainless steel, which obviously will perform slightly different to the mild steel. To that degree, I couldn't tell you what's going on. Um, but, yeah, no, as far as I'm concerned, it probably performs about the same. Um, the route and, and the shape, the... Yeah, the, the shape of it is all, all similar, but the routing is obviously different and the routing doesn't really affect it. So the whole purpose for the routing was to um, centralize the mass. That's the main purpose of the bike. Um, and the, <clears throat> the cool thing about that, one of my favorite bikes and designer was a, a, a guy, Horst Lettner. I may be pronouncing his name incorrectly, so hopefully I'm not. But he built a bike for KTM. I'll Google it and I'll send you a link so you can have a look at it or maybe yeah. look it up. Uh, Horse Lettner, uh, KTM 125. I think he'd done it like early 90s, maybe 89, 91 or something. And his 125 had a similar exhaust routing. So obviously that's what sparked my idea. His, mu his muffler actually came down behind the motor and the swinger and be between the swinger, which was right. pretty awesome, pretty cool stuff. But it just... It worked out. I, there's not a chance it would work on this bike, and that's how I got this layout. Uh, what sparked the original idea for it? I don't know if it sparked that idea. Uh, I remember looking at that bike years ago, just it, truly admiring it. You know, I just really love the whole design of it, and as and as obviously his thoughts behind it. Probably not that I know them, but I, you know, if you look at them, and you can't understand what they may have been trying to achieve. Um, anywho, so that's how the exhaust shape kind of came around. I think I must have seen that back in the day thinking, man, that'd be an epic uh, freestyle exhaust just because of the, the weight centralization. And that's probably what come about, how it come about. Um, and yeah, just fit in everything else it, around it. Or yeah, just honestly, it's, yeah, there's a lot of time trying to just mash it all together. So it's pretty tight in there, but it all works very well. Yeah. Right. So if, somebody is listening to this podcast that is audio only and if they have not seen a picture of your bike which i'd be very surprised at this point they haven't can you just explain very quickly what that route looks like yeah okay so where's she going i've got i've got the design in front of me so we can kind of talk it through it's um <clears throat> it essentially comes out the port um generally it and, and, and goes to the right which most bikes are actually going to the left 
it, the bottom side kind of looks true. somewhat normal, but then it goes vertically up through where the radiator would be, um, and then dumps down back on the right side, just behind your uh, your calf muscle. So, um, yeah, the idea behind so you so it's coming out the engine, twists yep. to the right instead of the regular left. It yep. then goes down and down and then back up through the left-hand radiator, which is now removed. Yep. And then from there, I guess it starts to go into that small part of the expansion chamber again. And That's fitting right, into yeah. The, and fitting into the silencer coming out. But, yeah, like you said, near your right calf, like where... Yeah, yeah. And where, I guess where kind of your would... shock is, isn't it? Correct, yeah. So it actually runs where people would expect a gas tank. Um, runs parallel with the frame rails and the shock. Um, obviously, when I was designing it, I obviously wanted it to be aesthetically pleasing. That was second to the function, but um, so everything had to be nice and all the lines had to be correct, you know. So that is part of that, and it dumps out just behind your foot. Um, also, part of the design layout, which I forgot to mention, was on my previous bike, I only had one radiator and the expansion chamber, the radiator, and the exhaust was all on one side of the bike. Now, that <clears throat> it's something that you don't think much of, but it actually is unbalanced left to right. So when I would go to yep. whip it left or right, it would dip one way faster than the other. And I, I just didn't like yeah. it. Obviously, I got used to it in the end, but then this bike is very well balanced left to right. Um, most, you know, because your you radiator is one side, the muffler weighs next to nothing, and um, the expansion chamber goes up the other side with the steering stabilizer to offset that radiator weight as well. So yeah, that's just another one right. of the um, another one of the thoughts behind that. That yeah, I didn't even think of the left and right balance. That's yeah, that's something I'd be surprised how much it affects it. Yeah, I I can tell. You know, you know when you're jumping and you get like a little bit of a kick, like left or right, and you're like, what the hell's wrong? And you look back at your um, the stocks for your uh, for the axle. And you're like, yep. oh, it's it's moved in like one millimeter or two millimeters, and that can throw, <clears throat> you know, if your rear wheel's just pointing one millimeter in the wrong direction, you can feel it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a bike back in the day when we were doing flares, <clears throat> when that was a quite the thing, and um, it just never jumped straight, no matter what I did. Like I just couldn't get it, and the bike had done. 40 or 50 hours, or I'm not sure, pretty close to it. But it had done a lot, a lot, a lot of flares in it. And what I worked out was actually the frame had twisted from those landings. Ah. <laughs> and then, yeah, I just I couldn't jump or flip it straight. It was just my practice bike, but it just, yeah, done my head in. Um, <clears throat> eventually working out the frame was bent. So not bent. How did bent, you work that out? <laughs> put a new one in and jump straight. Um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Easy. But... I can, I now I can 3D scan all the stuff and understand it. So I actually, um, the bike that I scanned for this, one of the frames I scanned, I've done a couple actually because of this, was the bike I crashed when I broke my ankle. And this bike, it, I worked out, I think we get off that next gen ramp about 11 meters high, maybe 10 and a half or so. And um, it had landed that far down onto the top of the landing so let's say for four meters drops of four meters so um it would what's that six odd meter fall and it landed straight to its handlebars 
And um, I noticed it snapped the engine mount. I was like, oh, that's yeah. odd. Obviously, like, the frame's pulled out, you know. And I scanned it, and sure enough, like, you can just see that. Now, to what degree is the frame twisted, you know, from welding it in the original state? Um, probably not as much as this was. But, you know, so the you'd be very surprised how much the frames move and talk around throughout, you know, from motocross or freestyle or whatever. Um, so yeah, they, they fatigue over time. So after, after that bike, I never really had rode or hung onto one for more than, you know, 25 hours or something like that. But to be fair, now we ride airbags, it's probably not really an issue. I mean, you're still, <laughs> if you, if you're still doing it old school, then yeah, but that kind of stuff made a big difference for me. Um, yeah. but I mean, we, we ride free, so I said to jump one identical jump for the most part over and over and over. So you can just feel just crazy little things, you know? Yeah. Things that you would yeah. never feel any other day. That's right. Um, yeah. all right. So that's the engine and the exhaust gearbox, five gears. I thought I heard you say single speed before I assume yeah, so, one gear. Yeah. The, the, the motor that's, um, built for it, um, it's all done actually, just need to assemble it. But you know how projects go when you get 95% of the way, you just let it sit for a bit. Um, it's, yeah, single speed, uh, 250, all titanium components. Um, I've had a few things, um, 3D printed titanium, um, through a few things, remachined titanium, and just pretty basic, really, just to make the thing a lot lighter. Um, how, much, I, how much did that drop the weight by removing four gears? Shoot, I can tell you I've got a jar of stuff that were removed. Also, we had to machine a couple off. Um, yeah. But I think Even just I rough, think the gears rough, alone, rough it's about, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's around, it's over a kilo. And then the rest of the weight is from the titanium stuff, which is saved. Um, but the gearbox is interesting. I've done, so forever I had either three speeds or two speeds when I was competing. Um, right. And they were cool, man. They they uh, just pick up like zero to nothing or to whatever you want um, instantly because there's less drag on the motor. Yeah. Um, so there's essentially, there's no more power, but there's less power lost, lost in the drive line. Yes, correct. Um, and then obviously then you have the added, uh, the, uh, you know, shoot, lost words. Also, the other good thing is um, you got less centrifugal uh, weight uh, force from yep. the rotating mass um, which means the bike can just move around as it pleases so uh, which is the first reason I ride a two-stroke is four strokes are heavy and dull they're overpowered for what they need to be so you're just carrying stuff you don't need for freestyle we're talking um, great bikes otherwise but for freestyle so purely by not having your valves your cam um, you know, your cam chain, whatever, all of that stuff, you are now, <clears throat> um, you can now move a lot freer. So now when you take out a few gears in the gearbox, that obviously adds to that. Um, you know, even like lighter clutch baskets and all of that stuff. So that, that's it. That's when I say the motor's built, it's kind of just random stuff like that. Um, but that makes a huge difference. It, um, but it also, it has the counter effect for a certain trick. So some tricks, like the best whip guys, be interesting to see the boys ride this bike because they may love it or they may hate it. 
um, mm. because a lot of lot of like whipping is used by the inertia of your rear wheel, yeah. your motor, just feeding it. So you you'll find you've got excellent flick on this, but you you're not going to have to you're not going to have the extra delivery from the wheel speed and the um, inertia. You know? Yeah, like one thing I noticed, I always rode. I did have four stroke there when at the very very start and that was when i was so fresh i didn't even know what the hell i was doing anyway i was just learning but i remember i basically destroyed one of my ktm 252 strokes i rebuilt it enough and i said right i'm just going to sell this one and then wait for the next year's model and that was about a three month wait and i had sheeny's bike at my house in brisbane and i'm and I just asked him, right, I've, I'm trying to sell your bike, but, you know, for the next three months, can I just ride your old Honda 450? He's like, yeah, yeah, just go for it. And if someone buys it, just sell it. Sweet. When I rode his 450, the, the craziest thing was I could finally do the first actual whips I'd ever done. When I was on a two-stroke, like, I would try and whip, and I was just doing bum whips, and they were crap. But then I, the first day, I felt a whip just peel straight out of the ramp. I'm like, oh, oh, you know, and it's like I was, I was, I was a passenger on that first whip. I just went where the bike went, and that taught me more in three months riding that 450 about how to whip. And then when I got back on the two stroke, I brought what I learned across, but actually I found it a little bit harder. So then yeah. I'd have to really work on you know, seat bouncing and trying to get under it and all that sort of stuff. So I think what you're saying there makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it could go one way or it could go the other on whips. Yep. And and just another thing that comes to mind while you're saying that is, um, now, I, I mean, I haven't really spent a lot of time on jet bikes, but um, the over-rev from the four-strokes or the extra power, obviously, left over, um, you know, because 250 you're actually using most of it that it's got in second gear, but 450s you're not really. Yeah. Um, that in itself is enough to keep that front wheel up and then to be able to crank it back down is one thing I had noticed over the years. There are a lot of guys who have different opinions on that, I'm sure. But um, one thing I had, a, it took me a long time to work is um, just getting enough over rev, you know, without taking away the bottom, bottom end. Yeah. And then as soon as you get that extra little bit of wheel speed or, you know, you, the, I think the key is to kind of come, come off the tip of the ramp with, you know, about 75% of your power rather than 100%. Because by the time you get to 100%, it's always already falling over and kind of dropping the front. Um, yeah, maybe yeah, that's got losing, something to do with it. Um, yeah, yeah, like yeah. You're losing what you want, um, yeah. Which, is, yeah. which is power on demand, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So... It's one thing I've actually learned in the last couple of years is the differences between the bikes and the power delivery. Now, four strokes, I can't really speak for, but just talking to, um, you know, the boys that ride the Yamahas uh, versus KTM, uh, you know, like talking about double flips or, or whips or whatever it is, uh, the f- I realized um, how much it affects it and how, how different it is. So, um like everyone probably hears me harp on how I think KTM is the best freestyle bike by far, which I truly believe. Like, I mean, I'd, I'd, if I hadn't have been sponsored by them for all those years, I would have bought them otherwise, you know. Um, and the reason I'm saying this is just the way that the bottom end is on the two-stroke. It just fits freestyle. 
that mm-hmm. initial snap and talk. Now, where the Yamaha has um, less bottom end, but a lot of overrev. And I started to learn this when I was talking to Cam Sinclair about double flips. And he, his approach, which worked at, like really good for him and a Yamaha, was come in quite fast and then just have it into you know, the top range of the power and then just flip it off the top. Whereas yeah. I would try that on a KTM and I'd get nowhere at all and I would have to try coming as slow as I could and just open it up um, right on the ramp and then essentially it would just do it for me. And just working that, and then I remember talking to Tucker uh, a few years back when he was learning, and I was trying to walk him through the technique I used, and then realised that did not work. He and couldn't then I, do what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I, I think I linked him up with Cam or told him Cam's way or whatever, and it worked perfectly for him. You know, so it, <laughs> to me, that's just talking about like that. I now that I know I understand the power delivery and the difference between doing tricks is. Is so different per bike, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, just it's kind of relevant to nothing right now, but it's an observation well, I've made. No, it, it is. It's really interesting, actually, to hear that because what you know, something might seem so impossible, but it's yeah, it could be their machinery is the bit that's holding them back, or or they can do something and they're wondering why their their buddy they're riding with can't do it. Like it, yeah. it, it yeah. does make sense. Um, yeah. All right, so we'll move on. Uh, carburetor stock or something different yeah no she's dead stock um dead stock. Obviously just so the mycuni or yes the old yeah the mycuni yeah so i i love the key in on the old motor honestly that thing just worked perfectly and i put it down to the needles that they had um yeah but i played around with it on this bike but i just couldn't get rid of this dead spot um okay. and then i went back to the mycuni and i just spent more time reading about the needles and understanding and trying to find what I wanted and then eventually got the needle that I like and I think it's amazing now. Um, oh. So I'm happy as with it, really happy. Oh, mate. Um, right. Well, I'll, I'll have to tell Shui to uh, send you a message and find <laughs> out what it is. What, what is it? Like, if you don't mind me asking, because Shui, <clears throat> Shui messaged me and he's like, this new bike with the Makuni carb, he's like, it's just a turd. And he, he threw it and went and bought himself a, a key and carb and went and got mm. the old one again. Yeah, it's it's at the top end of the key and when it's on there that I found I didn't like. Um, and it's unpredictable. So you'd be going for a flip and all of a sudden it'd splutter or something. I'm like, oh, that's no good. <laughs> um, so I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember. I just did my motocross bike, so I remember that better. But um, I can't remember the needle. But it's it's the smallest pilot you can get for it. It's a, I believe it's an S4 nozzle jet, and I think it's a 450 main. Um, one thing of freestyle, a lot of the guys would go too lean on the mains, um, but we're actually sitting in the in the top of the rev range when we leave the ramp. Yeah. Um, but my take is always run a nice and small pilot because we're cruising around. You don't want it to foul up, you know. You want it to be nice yeah. and clean. But so it's always been really hard to bridge that that pilot to the main with the needle mm-hmm. so that was the biggest challenge for me is finding the right needle for this and i couldn't tell you off the top of my head it's got some crazy number like i, I still remember on um my key ends our nozfs or nozg um would, would be what we play i can only tell you that because it's nice and easy to remember like these are six something 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 like all these different <laughs> i'd have to check my notes but if, if anyone actually wants to know i can pass that on yeah, that'd be fantastic because, <coughs> like, if if anybody who's ridden a KTM two hundred and fifty will know, 
jetting it for freestyle is yeah. one of the biggest pains in the ass you may ever have. You might be yep. lucky. You might know somebody who can tell you exactly what to put in at the right altitude but, or whatever. But uh, a it lot took of the me thing a very is, long time. Is um, whenever someone asks for a setting from me, I'll give it to them happily. But they never put the whole thing, the whole thing in. You know, they might put the jets in, if not not spark plug or, or the, the. That was you know, my next question. Was spark plug and, as well? Yeah. Um, yeah. I just run a BR9 EIX the whole time, and it runs awesome. Um, BR9, so that's even cooler than stock. Yeah, the BR8 stock. So I mean, it just it's just worked, and and it seems to. You know, I haven't had an issue. If I don't run it, it it's a little bit gluggy. Um, and then obviously, if I'm in the States or somewhere that's accessible accessible to VP, I just use C12. Yeah. And then um, here in New Zealand, uh, I just run Abgas, but I mix it 50-50 with, say, 95. Um, I find it just runs a little bit too lean. 100% I kind of like it mixed. And then yeah, just right. 60 to 1 with the oil, just as the manual says. Um, nice and simple. Yeah, right. Okay. That's, if you want to get if you want to get a little bit crafty, put it. I mean, just purely by feel, um, the V forces are amazing as well. The reads. Um, well, that was the thing. But I can I, take it or leave it. Oh yeah. I just it's just it's just for a little bit of throttle response. Like I don't notice too much outside of it. So if you know whatever reason I didn't have one, I'm not concerned. Yeah, like one. The, the thing that really made a big difference for me when I was riding my KTM is I went from BR8 stock and the, so this is a problem Shui and I were trying to work out for a very long time and then the KTM factory guys in Australia just said go BR7 just go mm. one hotter um, continue with your same jetting settings that you're running just go one hotter on your spark plug and i never ever fouled a spark plug ever again whether that didn't give me a, a good power delivery i don't know but i didn't fail any more spark plugs and that was my biggest issue i had i i couldn't go anywhere yeah without having this huge problem so it's, it's that, so that funny of um yeah i couldn't well i'll say this touch of wood but like good setup, the plugs are not an issue, eh? You know, and obviously, like you said, you found what works for you, and then your plugs are yeah. good. Um, but man, some people on the bikes just fail them all the time, and yeah. that is what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Um, um, one other thing was like you oh, were talking sorry. about. Sorry, no, I was just thinking earlier. One other thing was always quite funny traveling around. You're talking about jet, uh, like talking jetting and altitude and whatnot. Yeah. Now this is pure. This is this is all from. Um, uh, Chad Gabe, who mechanic for me, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> shoot, very long time. He, I mean, all the stuff I'm talking about, I learned from him and, and another friend, Monty, and, and another guy, Gareth. Is um, a lot of this, all of this motor stuff, I did not learn on my own. You know, I, it's all from experience around mechanics around me. So I got to give them credit. Um, but Gabe always had like the bike sussed out at every event. You know, he might be in Mexico at like. 8,000 feet or um, I remember Travis one year was really surprised when I double flipped in Salt Lake and it was just chilling like I mean in the comp I under rotated but in practice I was over rotating so I chilled out of the comp and under rotated but <laughs> it's been too much yeah just just I still know you're in and rotated out so it's okay but anyway um, the point of that yarn was 
with the the funniest thing was we would never really change more than just the main jet or the clip on the needle like everyone thinks jetting is very complicated but it's so simple and it's only small movements but yep. where we went we would always change our fuel our biggest changes were always with fuel so it's just oh. something to keep in mind if you do ride a two-stroke well there you go well i yeah so that actually makes me feel better about being so lazy because when <laughs> yeah, I made, yeah. <laughs> and I think I probably speak for most riders here, um, but when I made that change to BR7, keeping the jetting that we felt worked, so I was running exactly the same as Shui, I did not change the jets to pretty much 6,000 feet altitude. Yep. I didn't need to. I felt I didn't, I had no need. The bike ran near on the same, maybe just a little bit down on power at 6,000 feet. But yep. uh, I, I I just kept knuckling 75 foot and I thought, <laughs> I don't care. It's only one show in the snow. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm out of here tomorrow. So I, I didn't really give a shit at that point. But um, yeah, no, I, I found what worked and it pretty much went, with me everywhere from that point all right so carby's done um cdi just quickly before we dead leave stock. the engine dead stock. dead stock all right yeah. i've never that's... never even touched it that's crazy so yeah. you've got basically a dead stock engine with with dead stock exhaust in terms of the shape and the volume pretty much just the shape looks different you've got a single speed but everything yep. it, it all sounds it all sounds way too easy right now like <laughs> well that's the thing you don't sounds... need to overcomplicate it like i mean the, the what, another thing with that motor is well, i'd always just um i generally just play off the base gaskets a little bit um yeah. and take the head so I'd, I'd generally lift the cylinder a little oh, and yeah. then lower the head to keep the compression and then the mufflers is another place like between jetting cylinder muffler you can kind of get it sitting right where you want um obviously you could do a lot more if you wanted but what's the point yeah it yeah. yeah yeah that's it it does its job all right so let's move on to the frame yeah and this part i i really i really like this part of what you've done uh it's a fully custom frame i read on your instagram notes it was over 300 hours it took five five uh sorry 300 plus hours of printing so yep. i was like okay if you were doing printing for eight hours a day that would be five weeks every day just constant printing essentially to you know to try and sum yep. up what 300 hours is it's 22 pieces um yeah how yeah. that was on the prototype i guess right yeah, so that, that that photo you're talking about, that's a plastic frame. Um, yes. At some stage, I'll, I'll, I'll pull up the photos and put them on Instagram of the near complete bike. I had it all printed out in plastic. Um, obviously, I had, say, the <clears throat> like a real motor and whatnot sitting in there and, and the real parts that I would use. Um, but before I obviously um, spent all that money, had everything made and, and, and put the time in, printed it all out, checked everything from swing arm frame gas tank ear boot triple clamps you yeah, just every single little piece um yeah so about 300 hours of printing the printer would just run 24 hours a day 
Uh, Did it? And it's pretty. The reason it was so many pieces is I've got uh, two other printers that I prototype on. Uh, they're bigger. Um, but one of them's quite big that I print swing arms on. Um, but the accuracy is not as you know it might be yeah. half a mil or the, it just it take a lot it takes a lot more for me to get the tolerance correct on those. Whereas I have another printer that I use to print. It actually prints um, continuous carbon fiber, but it also does um, very accurate models, uh, smaller yeah. models. Um, so that's why I chose to use it. And anywho, um, yeah. So Is I just that let the that run all forged? day. Yeah, Mark Forge Mark Two. Uh, it's a very small print feed actually, but it um, and it's pretty reliable. So I think I had maybe two failed prints that whole time. Whether that was a power cut or you know, every now and then it might pop off the bed or you just have something happen. Um, so that's why. So that's why I printed on that, and you just let it run, um, and just monitoring that. There's sometimes you set an alarm at three in the morning just so you can change a print over and have it done rather you know rather than waste an extra five hours or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, and so that, at the same time, I also had the other printers going to print, you know, other things like uh, you know the earboot brushes. I could get away with the tolerance, not you know half a mil, and that's probably okay when I'm just test fitting. And same with the swing arms and whatnot like that. So, yeah, that's how that went. Holy crap! All right, so that was the plastic. <coughs> yeah. What is the end material that that frame is made out of? Uh, chromoly, so it's all chromoly it steel. Yeah, forty-one thirty. Um, it is all CNC, <laughs> apart from CNC components, apart from CNC machine components, apart from the frame rails. So the the, the main two uh, perimeter rails going up, and the, yeah. I guess the cradle, if you want to call it that, uh, below the engine. Which has just been mandrel bent. Um, everything else is I've had. Um, there's some plate on there which is laser cut. Uh, she had a water jet cut on this last one. Um, there's quite a few 3D com uh, printed components. Now that is um, off the top of my head. I may get this wrong. It's 17-4 pH stainless steel, I believe, and that's what uh, people generally use if they're printing for chromoly it's got similar characteristics um now that's you know it might be the uh lugs where the um subframes mounted or uh just really intricate little parts like there's a little <coughs> gusset at the top of the frame that i could have made out of plate i was like screw it you know um out of uh i'll just get it 3d printed um you know, like the steering stops are 3D printed, so I'm just kind of looking at it and seeing what else is. Um, you know, and the last one I even just had the um, serial number 3D printed just for the novelty of it. Um, you know, so all the rest <laughs> like that, and then everything else is all CNC. That so, is so you know, pointless, but so funny that you did that. For the yeah, I mean, I could stamp it, but 3D printed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, you know, like all your, all your stem your foot peg mounts, everything else on that, on that bike's all uh, CNC, which is awesome because, man, it's a joy to weld and fit together. Um, and it got to the point where I just wanted to – everything's got such tight tolerances, I couldn't really afford to not have it CNC machined I mean, or yeah. 3D printed, but, um, and then it's just perfect, you know. So, And then I think where the cool thing is when I pull out of the jig, it just it, – it barely moves um, – 
and I put that down to just the tolerance of it all. You know, everything just fits perfectly beforehand. Um, so yeah, yeah, that, that's that's the much of the frame right there. Stupid question. Um, so don't shoot me, but three D oh, printing. It is uh, obviously it's it's not that it's a new thing, but it is it is becoming much more accessible for so many more people. Um, so as we were leading into this chat, I was actually watching videos about that Mark Forged um, printer that you've got and why people use that one in particular. And then, you know, you go down the rabbit hole of YouTube videos of where did 3D printing start from? It's actually 40 years old. I didn't even realize. Yeah, it's um, the 80s. Is that right? Yeah. 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 And, um, and so it's something that's been around for a long time and it is something that's becoming so much more accessible now. And are you able to, like you've just said a whole bunch of parts in that frame are 3D printed. So it is pushing out quality that is strong enough for you to do freestyle motocross on. Like the, yeah, yeah, what, yeah, it for can sure. produce, what it can produce is strong enough. Simple as that. Yep, like it's not as strong as billet. Um, I think I read somewhere now, someone's going to tell me I'm wrong here, I'm sure, but I think in a certain axis it's printed to, now this, I'm talking about, um, oh shoot, what's it called? I'm terrible, I, I mean I can do and draw and build all stuff, I just don't know the names of terminology for anything, but this is... Um, don't, don't get too crazy, I mean we're, no, we're just no, freestyle like, fans that are yeah. listening here. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, but like, so the metal stuff that's printed is, um, it, it starts with a powder and it's laser welded. And it's layer by layer. It might be at like 0 0.05 mil per layer. Um, so very 0 accurate. 0.05 of a mil. Yeah, per layer. yeah. And um, so it's pretty cool. Um, where I was going with that is a certain direction. It is close to billet strength. Yeah. But it's not. Uh, someone's going to be able to tell me the exact numbers. I'm sure. But vertically, it's not. It's a lot weaker vertically on that plane. So. Um, you got to be strategic where you use it. Obviously, if you need real strength, you, you don't um, look past billet. So you won't use it for everything, but certain things it's going to be ample for. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. I think and it's going to be more precise pass. then. Would it be more uh, precise than billet? <clears throat> no, nah, billet's pretty accurate. Is it? Printing is very accurate, but like let's say you're getting a thread or a somewhere you're going to press a bearing in or whatever, you're going to want to remachine it. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, it just it, it just doesn't. It, yeah, we haven't quite come out of the uh, sensing machine world yet, and I don't think we will for that reason. As as much as I do like the printer, um, it just has its place. It just. But then in saying that, you can do crazy, crazy like shapes and structures because of it, which can be stronger. Um, yeah. that you just can't get CNC um, tooling in there. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got this sample sitting on my desk right now. It's a bottom. Uh, bottom bracket for a mountain bike and it's actually oh. filled of a lattice structure internally but it's all a shell oh you yeah. know like you, there's not a chance you could produce it any other way apart from printing yeah any, anyway yeah well, so it has its place that's awesome. yeah, yeah no that's that's really cool and actually what's even better about 3d printing what i saw on those videos is you know in my mind when i'm thinking of 3d printing it's like the the plastic you know layer yeah. by layer and you've got these really ugly 
you can see the layers when you finish, but you don't have that anymore. It's it's just no. It's pretty close. It's pretty good. And, and if you need to, like saying in plastic, like resin printing, it's pretty um, it's pretty bang on from the beginning. Eh? Yeah. No, that's cool. All right. So that's the f- the frame, um, which is completely custom. Swing arm. And now swing arm, I guess everybody's already seen. Um, yeah. You know, Harry Binks got one, and Jo Archer's got one from you as well. Um, but yeah. Tell us about the swing arm because it looks visually the most appealing, I suppose, about the with the bike. Yeah, um, swing arm. I mean, it's this. I mean, same style and um, process and idea behind it than what I've done for the other bikes. Um, I'm pretty sure I actually designed this one on this bike before I even designed the ones on my for the other bikes. Um, huh. The as I was designing this in the early days. I was like, oh, I'm going to build a few kit things for um, just a stock bike because yeah. that's what I was riding at that stage, you know, and then, so I'd done some triple clamps and um, swing arm and whatnot. Um, yeah, so it is what it is. This is a PDS swing arm and shock setup. Um, so it actually uses the KTM PDS shock. Uh, the weight so position. So for, for the Jap riders playing at home, that means you have no linkage. <laughs> correct, correct. Now, reason being... I don't like greasing linkage bearings. Um, I love nah. it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, and um, you just don't have any need for a freestyle. There's no need for no. linkage, not one bit. Um, so that's cool. So it, can, it rides and handles mint, jumps awesome. Um, so obviously there is a weight savings for no linkage, but if you look at the swing arm, obviously there's um, the, the top shock mount is pretty substantial, so that does add a little bit more weight. But makes up for it without extra bearings and, and the, the linkage setup. Um, the reason the shock position is the way it is, um, is kind of weight. I wanted to have it nice and central, obviously as close as I could to the center of the bike. Um, and it was to do with keeping that shock angle similar the further it went through the stroke. So it is actually, um, I think it actually moved. Would not, it wouldn't even be half a degree, I don't think, in the end. Uh, so little things like that is kind of how that design come about. So yeah, um, the, yeah, the, the swing arm looks very light, but I'm pretty sure it's the same weight as a stock one. Huh. Uh, but the the added benefit of it is um, no linkage, um, the simplicity of PDS, as well as the length of it. Um, yeah yeah so the length of the swing arm i'm gonna guess is shorter yep and where the wheel can come in means you've you've shortened the length of that wheel as well yes and i think they had another reason there was another reason why i um got rid of the linkage now i'm actually thinking back to it because on the stock say the ktms that i've built swing arms for the next limiting factor for the wheelbase is um, you start rubbing on the linkage knuckle when it oh, goes yeah. so short. So you can actually shorten the hoop of the swing arm up as much as you want, but you're going to start hitting the linkage. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that, that actually was one of the other factors of going PDS. So uh, to go this PDS system, this will be even shorter than, let's say, what J.O.'s riding or what Harry yep. Binks riding. This is yep. this is even one step better again on your bike. Yep. 
I think <clears throat> off the top of my head, the longest the swing arm will go is the shortest those boys' <laughs> swing arms can go. Oh, wow. Um, the reason I did that is I wanted shorter, but I knew that those ones worked very good. So at least, you know, if, it didn't, if I didn't like it too short, which I didn't know why I wouldn't, but it's yeah. just to be safe there. I don't think you want to go too much shorter, to be honest. <laughs> You'll be on a unicycle. But um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, that so was that, actually going to be my next question was, can you go too far with this? <laughs> yeah, you can. Um, well, another thing that's an issue is actually, you, like ideally, um, I, in the ideal world, I wouldn't shorten the swing arm at all. I'd just move the pivot point forward. Um, okay. <clears throat> it, it kind of affects a lot in that way. So, but we, 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 we don't live in that ideal world and because of the engine and all the rest of it, we can't and it has to be, the pivot point has to be where it is. So you've got to compromise and shorten the swing arm. So that, that is, that is why that's shorter. Okay. Yeah, um, so, yeah. the, the wheels. Are they standard size, 21 front, 19 yep. back, or, or they are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're, they're dead stock. Um, that's funny. That's one thing. I don't think that in freestyle we should have any sort of uh, regulation around bikes. But the only thing I think we should is the wheel size. The reason being is, um, you know, motors, take it or leave it. Some have benefits. You know, go out and ride a 125 if you want, if it's going to help you. But... At the same time, it's you're going to have the. It's going to be a disadvantage for certain things as well. Same as a 450 versus a 250. So, I don't think moat like capacity is any issue. Um, but when you start playing with wheels, they're actually one of the biggest restrictors in our sport. I think because if we look at BMX versus mountain bike, the way that they can rotate and spin. Yeah. That's due to the wheel weight and the wheel size. So, well, that's by, it because that's what you said in in the previous podcast. When when yeah, you, this this is why I asked the question. Oh, okay, I would yeah. never have known that if if you didn't say that in the last one. Uh, you know, between mm. a BMX with a smaller wheel and a mountain bike with a larger one. So then yeah. I I was wondering for the last year, why why would you restrict yourself then? Like, why not go twenty on the front and eighteen on the back? Like it wouldn't make you, a big difference in if in physical like looking at it, but yeah, give you, you a huge advantage, couldn't it? You could, you could, but I think it's just um, part of the idea of all of this is I wanted it to represent a dirt bike, you okay. know, because um, then we end up going down some other avenue and end up riding scooters in the end of it, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and I don't think like yes, the wheels are. They uh, they restrict our rotation to the to the point that you know we we can't do completely upright three sixties and by reducing wheel weight that's going to help us a lot but um, that's my idea I mean everyone can have their own opinions on it but that, that's where I went with that and that's why I stuck yeah. to it myself no 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 that's that yeah. I was just something that I'd been thinking of since since you said that last time and I never. Th- thought of it i it would never have been a, a consideration for the wheel yeah. sizes and then i was like yeah. all right imagine someone even if they went just the 20 inch enduro to, uh wheel on the back you are oh, yeah you can buy that from a shop so it's pretty normal oh sorry mm. not 20 inch um 18. 18 inch 18 inch enduro i was, I was mm. still thinking of the front um 18 inch rear wheel and i was like well if you're doing that, then you 
you're already going down a rabbit hole anyway. But yeah, okay. So, so at the moment we're saying twenty one nineteen. That's what's on there now. That's that's what's there. Have you changed the tires? Like, have you gone for a thinner walled tire to lose weight? Or something that I, I think I heard this from Tom Pagez for freestyle. He prefers a much harder wall Mm. for the fact that when you're, when the bike's in the ramp and the the tire is compressing, Mm -hmm. he doesn't want the tire to compress too much. So he was, maybe I got that story wrong, but that was what I heard. You know, I don't think it's this, that's pretty valid. Um, yeah, I've got different tyres. Um, it's funny, it, <clears throat> for me, the tyre weight and tyre wall is a negotiation between, say, overall weight and performance versus a little bit of safety. Um, mm. Forever I run Don, Dunlops, and the main reason being is if I got a flat on the course, they were <laughs> stiff enough that I could continue and jump without if I hadn't oh. noticed. Yeah. Whereas if you, say, have a Pirelli, and you have a flat in the corner, you're going to spin out and do like a 540. <laughs> just because they're so soft, they'll just explode. So that's how I determine my tyres. Um, and, yeah, kind of adjust the pressure and whatnot accordingly, uh, tyre size and whatnot. Also, another thing over the years is a tyre pattern is a big thing versus the ramp mesh. Um, yeah. And that's why I'm real picky with the, how ramps are built. And say mesh and whatnot is if you have say just let's say just say your regular run of the mill tire you know your Dunlops or Bridgestone whatever um, mid compound whatever um, kind of quite small knobs on them they get you need smaller mesh because otherwise on the ramp they'll stick into the mesh yeah and then what happens is, as soon as you try and whip or you're slightly off centered or whatever they pull you right to the other side. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this that are listening. Yeah, um, I know, I know anyway, that feeling. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was that was that's always got something to do with it. Originally, I used to run, um, used to love running uh, like one twenties, real he- real heavy rear real yeah. rear heavy uh, a heavier rear wheel. Uh, part of that was because we used to ride dry shitty courses all the time, and it just worked as a bit of traction control. The other reason is, man, it was awesome for doing whips. You just I just spin the back wheel out epically. Really, but um, I prefer lighter now as the trade off because of you know rotating from you know doubles, singles, or just whatever, and, and whipping adjusts your technique to it, and you can find positive for it. You know, so yeah, that's where yeah. that's kind of gone to. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Again, going going back to the days of uh, what. Well, it could be anywhere, really. I don't worry about what tire it is. I'm generally pinching uh, the leftovers from the the races, you know, because a, <laughs> yeah, a race is like, oh no, that's that tire's done, and they're tossing. It. I'm like, mate, that's that's near on brand new. Like, yeah, if I did yeah. that, if I did one day on a mesh run up and a mesh ramp, it's going to look ten times worse than that. So, I just that's take right. whatever races are thrown away, basically. So, um, yeah, but don't listen to me, kids. Um, all right, forks, air forks. Yeah, just regular run of the mill air forks for the KTM, the WP forks. Um, obviously, like I said, I've lowered them for no reason apart from to keep try and keep that height of the front end similar to what a stock bike is. Um, and yeah, that's about it. It's the same setting that I run on my old bike. Obviously, the shock was was pretty fun to work out. 
um, obviously I didn't really have to do any of that. I had um, a friend of mine, uh, Rennie, he figured it out and he hit, it, he hit the nail on the head the first time, which was pretty exciting. Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. This is this has gone a little bit off topic, but would you go, uh, obviously you've chosen Air Forks, so that is your choice, but Air Forks or oil, standard, conventional, what's what's your thoughts there? Because I'm like coil spray. I'm still, um, I still prefer the old style. <laughs> yeah. So for freestyle, hands down, any day air forks. Um, yeah. Right. The I mean, the only reason I would consider coil is there's uh, air forks come at the added risk of a potential leak, but they're relatively safe nowadays touching with when I say this, you know. <laughs> um, but the, so the thing I love about the Air Forks is one, the weight, and you can just move the bike around and you just, it's crazy the difference it makes. Um, it's like a, over a kilo lighter. Um, and the other reason is the adjustable air pressure. So one thing, one thing I had uh, issues with over the years is um, I was always fighting stiffer forks to the rear just for like it was... Um, so I always like it nice and proud off the takeoff. But when you are practicing, say here in New Zealand, and it's you know twenty degrees Celsius, and your your setting is primo and you're honky dory, and you go to Spain or ride in the states somewhere, and it's like you're pushing forty degrees Celsius sometimes. The oil thins out. I think that's what it is, um, and it's so soft and doughy, and it's it it just starts. Um, it nearly kicks the rear end a bit more, you know, it dives through the ramp. Now, there's probably not the best way to go about it, but the quick fix is just up some pressure, you know. Um, so, and I will... Yeah, but if you're in get, a competition mode and you don't have time... Oh, yeah, and it works. It works. Stuffing about, then, hey, why not? Yeah, and, and I actually do play off the chair. The pressure's time to time, depending on what I'm doing, but generally right now, just max, max pressure. Um, and it's hey. awesome. I, I, the bike needs to be as rigid as it possibly can, and it's purely yeah. just for the takeoff. Yeah, yeah. Explain um, why. I know why, um, but I want to hear it from you. <laughs> you just want it a predictable, and you want the pop. Um, you want the front end to be proud off the ramp, I believe. Yeah. And that's about it. Um, the stiffer it is, the better response it is. Better it whips, easier it flips. Um, you know, if you got a softer rear end and you go to flip, all your energy is going into the shock rather than actually spinning it off the ramp and vice versa you know um now talk to the front flip guys and they will tell you probably take different and, and for a valid reason so this is set for the style of riding i do you know versus um what other people may like but that, that that's just my, my take on it no that's that that was what i was thinking because that's a more conventional way of riding like you say if you're going to talk front flips now that's yeah yeah, oh, I don't even know where to start, you know. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's relative, maybe it's not. I don't know. Yeah. No, that's it. All right. So that's the forks. We already spoke about the shock, how you've got no linkage and, and why it sits so high up as well. You know, you're trying to get the the mass centralization. So shock's covered. Um, triple clamps, are they custom made or are they. Yep, the yep, so they're just they're custom made. Um, you can nearly assume everything's custom made. <laughs> um, triple clamps, stock 22mm offset. Um, 
and obviously the fork angle is the rake is a lot steeper um that is for the landings so we don't need the rake for stability and we're not going fast we're actually just essentially nearly a vertical fall um what i've found over the years is to get the best performance from the fork i actually had to nose it in to land yeah um so that's yeah 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 i I know exactly what you mean you got to come in a little bit nose heavy and actually everything works better yeah 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 and man you know if you asked me a few months ago when this was all quite relative i could tell you details of everything but i'd have to recheck the actual degrees but it's, it's a good two degrees steeper i think maybe three um but that, that's a bit of off the top of my head bit of a guess uh what else about and as, and as soon as you as soon as you steepen that rake up every every degree you've made it steeper um i assume every degree makes it spin faster correct it's by shortening the front end of it yeah. as well you know yeah um yeah and then Triple clamps are solid mounted, uh, set up for a 36 mil bar, which is the new rental bar. It's like half the weight of any other bar that I've found. So it's, it's epic. It's amazing. Oh, so you, um, you do have some parts that you had to buy a rental handlebar. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, yeah, yeah. You don't fix what ain't broke. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like the rental bars on there, they're primo, nice and light. I like solid mounting. It's just freestyle. Who cares? Otherwise, you know, um, so there's no twist or anything that you've got to worry about and by solid mounting the bar clamps i saved i think i saved 50 grams in the triple clamp and bar setup and that's mostly for the bolts just the way i could design it um and the lower triple clamps set up to house the steering stabilizer Um, oh yeah because you got the uh, i mean we'll we can talk about that in the yeah. fmx part yeah. as well but uh that's that's a special stabilizer as well that you're running um yep. uh in there i do have the brakes you said you haven't got the brakes on there yet but you've got them coming and you've dropped what was it 1.2 kilos or something on brakes yeah 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 so that's the one thing on the bike i did not design <clears throat> i went to uh couple lads in New Zealand they um design and make mountain bike brakes their company's Reddick Reddick performance brakes Reddick performance I got um Instagram awesome stuff awesome stuff and they're actually qualified engineers unlike myself <laughs> so <laughs> they um they designed the brakes for me and they are like a hybrid of say mountain bike versus dirt bike um okay and they had redesigned the calipers the, the discs and the master cylinders and then i had them redesign one of the things that i am waiting on still is the master cylinder for the clutch um so then you know i have the radix set up front and left and a nice and matching and then i've gone and redesigned a set of flip levers that are nice and snug that suit the small uh, smaller levers um yeah. yeah so i mean that that's the brake setup um They've saved, I think, it's about 1.2 kilos we worked out overall from front and rear. That's um, a huge saving just on brakes. Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's, it's, it's awesome. So little things like that are just a kind of uh, nice little finishing off pieces once, uh, once they're running. Yeah. Um, fuel tank. That's a, that's a big one because yep. clearly you've got an exhaust system going through where the fuel tank should be. If I look at the picture again now, 
you can also see straight through your fuel tank where it should be, and I can see your desk in the background. So yeah. where the bloody hell's this fuel tank? <laughs> um, so the fuel tank is uh, sits right above the carburetor and behind the cylinder. Um, it's it, it looks it's, like that little oil can, doesn't it? Because I I've yeah. had I had some people saying, "Oh, he's got a what is he?" So he doesn't have to premix or something. Oh no, I yeah, think no, you might find that's no. his petrol. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it's um, I've seen a few people say, "Oh, it's got a fuel tank. It only needs to last two minutes. It's freestyle." Which yes, that could be the case. But um, the bike's built and designed so you can actually go ride a full freestyle session in practice. Because last thing you want to do is fill up every two minutes. Yeah. Um, so it holds enough. What do you about, call a full session, though? Oh, about forty minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so I can get 40 minutes out of it um, and I would, I will fill up. So generally, I mean, nowadays I'd be doing well to burn that out, you know. <laughs> I don't <laughs> ride, if I go ride free, so I'll go and do a few whips and some flips and I'm happy. Um, but then, <laughs> you know, in the heyday, I would have probably filled that up and each, I'd probably have an hour sesh, you know. So it does about 40 minutes um, and it just sits up. Uh, obviously behind the cylinder and now you probably know where you're looking you'll see it in it um, in, in the front of the shock and just above the carburetor it's that took me about um might have been six or seven designs to get that correct just it's very very tight and snug between carburetor the shock and obviously the exhaust you know so um and then also trying to fit the um the fuel tap in there you'll see it's on a bit of an angle and it, it Oh yeah, I I can't. I didn't even notice that. That's just a stock KTM fuel fuel tap. But I remember spending hours and hours and hours trying to find a fuel tap that would suit this design with a a filter that I liked and the correct diameter. And I just couldn't, Um, because I kind of wanted one that was a ninety degree bend. And I I just can't remember. But anyway, worked (laughs) out that it was a just had to make that fit and to get it to fit correctly, had to put on the diagonal and. Uh, you know, obviously all the tanks are laid, so it does run to that, um, to the fuel tap. And then you'll see on the photo, it might be stained red, but there is a sight glass in it. With these fuel tanks are so small, there's no chance that I'm going to run it without a sight glass. So ah, I can keep right. an eye on that as I ride, um, which I, is an awesome I didn't, feature. I didn't notice the, the yeah. sight in it. Yeah, so the um, uh, what's happened is it's... Um, it's a 3D printed fuel tank. It's 3D printed with uh, nylon and fiberglass. Okay. Uh, SLS printing, which is the powder printing. Um, and it's been dyed black because it is grey originally. And um, that's why it's stained the sight glass. I, um, I do need to actually probably put a tank liner in, but it works. And I just haven't really been too concerned. <laughs> um, so you you weren't too stressed then if the petrol leaked or oh, not leaked but like leached anything out of the uh the 3d printed tank i was but it hasn't it hasn't affected it in month, so i'm not too concerned right now um i was probably more i was actually more concerned about tank liners just from what i was reading about them so that's why i was willing to have a crack at it um yeah and it was just purely the dye because um, the nylon is obviously chemical resistant. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, and, and this is this is from the, the backyard, the engineer, the bush mechanic side of me. It's like, I'll just get in there and have a go and see yeah. if it work out all right. Um, yeah, and I don't think the dive's an issue. So, yeah, it is what it is. Tip, mate, tip top. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, the, la- the last one on, on this segment is the air filter. So we're looking right on the same, right next to the fuel tank is your air filter. The one yep. thing that sticks out to me is the the physical size of that black piece of plastic like the air box boot, the boot yeah call it yeah. why is that so big well that's modeled off the stock one so just like the expansion chamber i knew i didn't know enough to design my own ah okay <laughs> um, and how i did this was kind of the same way like there's a couple things i really took a bit of a guess on and it just worked you know um i mean guess guess whatever educated guess um so i went and took the stock air boot um i think i've done two different versions of it i 3d scanned it one way and then i just purely just done a volume measurement with water and just kind of made it fit and i think i went off the volume measurement at that stage, I'm pretty sure I, I, I've done a little bit of reading about it. I can't really remember at the moment, but it's essentially the same volume as what the stock one is. Um, and for me, I was like, oh, that's enough to get started. And so I designed it and had it fit. And it kind of looks similar shape the way they are, and that's pretty much to squeeze it around the shock. Um, now, this is 3D printed as well. And I'm one of the other things that... Um, I think the bike runs quite well is it's quite stiff so that's not like sucking in at all um it's 3d printed out of nylon and fiberglass um the fiberglass is in the nylon obviously to stiffen it up because nylon's very flexible yeah um so i just took a stab in the dark seriously and it man it works mint so <laughs> primo um that's and then so just a, a 20 air pod filter um on it nice and easy to change so the for okay i am not a mechanic at all and i'm guessing most people listening have a rudimentary idea but are not mechanics either and you said you're not either but um so you've kept the exhaust what comes out of the engine relatively the same volume you've tried to keep what goes into the engine relatively the same volume and you just said before you didn't know better basically Mm. What, was there one part of you thinking, why don't I just make something smaller or lighter or whatever and just see what happens? Like, did you want to just um, experiment and just do it? And because, like I said, nah. I look at this and think that's a it's quite a big shape in in there. Like, if if that was obviously the hole that goes into the carburetor is only quite small, but there's a reason why it has such a big volume and a specific shape to direct air through the carby, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. And like I said, I don't really know enough to comment on it, but I'm yeah. pretty sure you you really want the air volume there because, you know, sure, if you roll the throttle on slowly, it might keep up. But if you chuck it on and it's like, you know, you just wind it right open, um, which is kind of how it's we ride. It's got nothing to suck, so it might choke it. Now, I'm purely just just having a bit of banter right here. I don't know too much. Like I said, I knew enough to realize I don't know enough <laughs> to That's, even yeah. 
even start to look at it, you know, and the reason I was like, with the expansion chamber, I was, I was more confident than the air boot, um, because all the cone shaping and whatnot was, um, and very interesting once I actually scanned the original expansion chamber and straightened it out, I could see the cones and, and their lengths and, and diameters very, very easily, but as it, um, as in current, like, stock form, you don't really see it, it just looks like one continuous shape. So that gave me a bit more confidence about the expansion chamber, but the air boot, I was pretty much like, I've got to start somewhere. This is my best guess. Um, and I'm happy to just, you know, you got to start somewhere to figure out what you need, where you need to be next. Um, and obviously it just works so sweet as, um, and the, like I said, the jetting, I didn't even change the jetting. I changed, I just moved the, um, I dropped, I lifted the needle one clip, um, and whether that had to do with the exhaust or the air boot, who knows? Yeah. You know, so <laughs> it was actually it's coming up pretty close. Man, that's yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. All, it, this is we've spent a lot of time even just talking about an airbox just in this little chat. Yeah, and I'm sure you've spent so much time about something that's been designed before and whatever. So yeah. it, it, it's just quite funny to hear you say, "I don't know enough about it," and you are smart enough to go with that answer as well. Like, don't go f- stuffing about with things you don't actually know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, these, um, like, you know, KTM and all the other companies put so much time into development and R&D over the years. Like, what I know is is how a freestyle bike should handle and, 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 yeah. and the ideas around how it performs. And, man, they just, that motor just is epic for it. So I don't want to change too much around it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> nor do i think i could um you know so it, it just works and it is what it is sweet as all right let's move on to the ergonomics there's only three things in the ergonomics and that's maybe one of sometimes i feel the most important for you to be happy the seat handlebar pegs the relationship with how you sit on the bike what you hold on to and what your feet are standing on can completely change whether I like a bike or whether I think it's a turd and I'll never ride it. So for example, when I, I, I was very lucky to do like bike testing for Freerider magazine um, and test every bike in one day, the Honda, the Yami, the Cowie, the Suzy and the KTMs. And when I did that, I really started to learn how each bike where they're going with their design. And I found out quickly why I like my Yamahas at the time yep. over Honda. I, I I have never sat on really a Honda that I actually liked riding. It just, I, I just don't get the feel. Hmm. Maybe they'll bring, maybe they've brought out a model and I haven't sat on it in a few years. But so yeah, the seat, the bars, the pegs, obviously this is for freestyle motocross it's for tricks it's for performance was there anything about that that was for comfort oh not one but um like i said like when i ride down to my freestyle setup <laughs> you know just right across the farm like, she's not very nice to ride but it's not designed for that you know but as soon as she's on a on a freestyle setup with a ramp and a run up it I mean, it's the best thing I've ever written for that, you know, so that, that is what it is. So we, we're, the reason of saying that is it's not very comfortable 
but you know when it's on a nice concrete run up i'm happy as nice and comfy um yeah the, the bar position to the foot peg position is actually very similar to what okay. i'm used to for a ktm um obviously the front end's shorter but i, I kind of got around that by steepening up the rake um mm -hmm. and that left the bars in a similar position yeah yeah um it's kind of you know, if you don't like the bar position, it's kind of tough, tough cookies at the moment. Because yeah, that, that's where it is. It's 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 stuck there. It's right where I like it, and that's where it needs to be. Um, yeah, ergonomics. Yeah, so foot pegs, bars, about the same. Um, seat, I think it sits a touch lower. Um, obviously, it's a custom well, seat and seat It looks foam. like a bloody ironing board. It looks as flat as flat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wouldn't mind adding about 10 mil foam to the seat. Um, the reason I haven't is just purely just haven't been bothered to print another mold out to pull because I, I just, um, I 3D printed the seat mold and just poured foam for it. Yeah. So there's no seat foam cutting or nothing, which is quite nice. Um, nice. And yeah, like I said, I just couldn't bother printing another mold. I was, I, I, I really did want to get, um, actually emailed them but i never heard back uh guts and and thinks think seat foams they do a certain seat foam um material that's like half the weight um that i, I wanted to have machined up but obviously there's not a lot of foam there but it's still uh, enough that i would like to save some weight on um i do i, I do have a friend that's found out what foam it is so i probably will have it machined at some stage but yeah that that's the seat um one thing that is slightly different to what I'm used to, which I think has more of a Japanese white feel, is the um, the relation from your bar to your seat. The grab is slightly uh, lower, but yeah, it it by looks lower, a bit like that. Yeah, it might be about twenty or thirty mil, um, but when you've been riding the same bike for ten years and done the thousands and thousands of jumps over you'd be surprised how uh, natural it is to go back to the old position but um it's just saying get used to obviously it has like the eternal grab hole and some may think that the radiator shrouds and front piece is somewhere to grab which could be but it hasn't been designed that way yeah. um and yeah like one other thing i will comment on um is if you look at the bike I tried to have it as open as it could, um, like it's free flowing. So uh, the reason being, you know, this is now this is just a little bit out there and just because I could, um, whether it makes a big difference or not, I'm still yet to find out. But I wanted, you know, the radiators to be nice and free flowing. Obviously, the whole rear end not to catch too much wind and the front fender is vented out the front and the back side of it. Um, the vent at the back of the fender, halfway, half of the reason is to try to get just a touch more air to that one radiator. Yeah. But also, anyone who's ridden with a head wind will notice how much your front end catches the head wind and it pushes it up. Yes. So that's the idea behind that. Um, and so far, it's been really good in the wind. So, I mean, I'd like to say I put it down to the bodywork, but pff, who knows? Could be, could, might not be. Um, maybe it's a little <laughs> yeah. bit biased. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's, that's, that's the idea really behind that, actually. Yeah. 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 Well, um, that that was actually going to be my next question because bodywork and graphics is, you yeah. know, let's say if, if you're buying a, a motorbike, that's that's where they're going to talk about their shrouds and printing and and yeah yeah, yeah all, all new design. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
and and the front fender was one of the main things that stood out to me in this design with that with that venting and i was like my my first thought was sean richardson old richo yeah 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 yeah. he would have went for that um one-handed superman earthquake i think he called it that was it Um, yeah i was like oh well done um yeah yeah it's like it wasn't designed for that no no it's purely just well just for the year for a windy day um front plates obviously shaped so you know for doing cliffhangers and whatnot um slightly shorter fenders kind of just like the look of it um and yeah i mean so it was made just don't have the stuff i don't need obviously the rear end is is its its own structure as well um the side plates and what you would maybe call the earbox or you know the fender part is one piece um the, the rear fender is one piece and where the seat is is its own piece now the seat will support itself without the side plate mechanism mechanism huh. not the structure um it, so that's that's structural as well as the side plates and tied together it makes it very strong um the fender so the, is, so the wait 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 the side plates what you'd call the side plates is essentially yep. the frame and side plates in one yep yep so it's like essentially the lower half of the subframe yeah and then the top half is yeah the top half i guess um like i wouldn't i probably i'd go and ride it with just the top part on obviously there's not a chance i'm going to but what i'm saying is that it could it could support you sitting around riding on it's very strong i wouldn't go and seat bounce it you know it's not designed to like that but what i'm just saying is i, I made sure both of them had, had could support enough so when they're all tied together it's pretty strong it's pretty stiff um and then the rear fender's just thin and flimsy and made to break if it's crashed you know so yeah. anything like the front fender front plate side plates rear fender is thin and tiny you know like it's um just made for weight it's just there for aesthetics really yeah um and i just started playing around with some stuff the other day to not even use carbon fiber just another composite i play around with flexible composites a little bit in the past but i might start to take a bit more serious now just for the front and rear fenders especially yeah um yeah just have a bit, a bit more to give but yeah so that, that's the body work really if you look at the side plates there's these kind of uh 3d printed wings on there they were oh here's here's another after afterthought i guess um something yeah. i had changed is um but I, I worked out it was the boots in the end um is I, it was kind of it's quite slippery for my feet because where they are like i use that spot and i'm sure a lot of other guys do grip in there a lot flipping um or whipping or whatever but what the difference was i hadn't ridden very much in the last couple of years and now by starts brought out a new boot and I'm fully calibrated to the old one. And then the old ones had like a nice leather strip and they were awesome. They're nice and grippy. And the new ones were rubber and, um, Oh yes. Just, yeah, I, know I just, what you mean. I just yeah. can't, can't grip with them for motocross. They're amazing, but freestyle, I can't. So I'm lucky I stashed enough old boots away and I just ride in those, but the, um, I just added those wings just as a nice sharp edge, just for an added benefit and put a bit just of to catch on them. it if you needed it. Yeah, but with the old boots, you don't really need them, but I don't know, kind of look cool there, so. Yeah. And then, obviously, you can't beat carbon fibre graphics, so um, that's how that that's, goes. That That's a, a no-brainer. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, like KTM, they print their graphics directly onto the shroud. Yep. There's no sticker with a KTM when you buy it. Yep. Yep. Um, if you were to put logos on your bike for any sponsor, uh, would you just put a sticker on and not give a shit? Or would you go and print it directly on and try and cut down a poofteenth of a gram? So I could, um, yes, you could, obviously you could put it in the mold and lay it up over it and it's going to be very well protected that way for good reason. Yeah. Um, but I don't believe there'd be any weight benefit because I'd just be using a decal. So if I was to put anything on it, it'd just be decals and it'd be very, very subtle. Like I think on the, I'm just looking at the, um, design here in CAD and I've actually got a couple of logos on it just just because I'm playing around with it, but that black, you know, so if I was to do anything, it'd be dark gray logo or, or very subtle. I mean, I'm not in the world of, of having sponsors or anything now, so I don't need to care about it. Yeah. Um, Mate, I, but that's how I'd do it. And it just, I'd just put on decals um, rather than graphics. Graphics are very heavy, actually. Exactly. That's, yeah, that's so what I'm thinking. You're nearly a kilo in them, I believe, maybe more, I think, at one stage. Um, yeah. And that's one that last bike I never actually run graphics either, so. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. You've you've built this bike. I wouldn't cover up one centimeter of it. Um, no, I, no, I, I quite I, like it, nice and raw. <laughs> um, yeah. So, one other question I had about the the back half of that of uh, all the carbon fiber and everything. So, one thing I noticed when Luke Ackerman was going to every night of the jumps event or X Games or X Fighters, whatever. He'd have to travel with two, if not three, carbon fiber subframes because he was on the Husqvarna at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Composite and, subframes, uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and my first question to him was, why don't you just go and, you know, get get somebody to engineer you up a, uh, a normal alloy subframe so you don't have to have this problem again? Anyway, maybe it was something with the sponsors. I don't know. But is that... Is that something you would have to think of when you're riding? If, if you were doing comps, would you have to take two or three of these with you just in case? Well, if I was to do that, I'd probably travel with two of everything, but that's not for that reason. Oh, not two of everything, sorry. Um, but for the reason of back in the day, okay, I'd travel with two of anything custom I had. Anything yes. KTM I know I could probably find, um, depending on where we were. And we'd always look into that. We'd look where the closest... Uh, KTM dealer was, you know, done a lot of um, background stuff before every comp. So this case, let's say Luke's case now, I'm not 100% sure of the swing arm he's got, but if it's a stock Husky one. Well, he's, believe, he's back on KTM now. But, yeah, but know, when it was the, the one you're talking about, yep, yep. It, that is um, a composite, not carbon, I believe. Um, and I ah, think yes, it's, it was. it's a injected. So I think it's like a plastic molded injected with certain fibers. Yes, um, right. I'm not 100%, so don't quote me on it, but that's my take on it. Um, now, I know they had a lot of trouble with them. I think they sorted them out in the end, actually, but this one, um, I'm not concerned one bit. Um, here's a fun fact for you. The, the, uh, so every, I think every one of us are riding or listening to this has probably been to subframe in their, in their days. We've all landed a bit sideways, got a cross-rutted or done whatever, and pretty easy to bend a side frame and bend the exhaust around and whatnot. Um, that last bike I had, 
which was the KTM with all the carbon stuff, the carbon fiber, like monocoque rear end and whatnot. That, um, so that was like a third of the weight of the stock rear end. And I could have gone, I kept, like, every time I just kept going lighter, I'm like, man, this thing just keeps holding up. And then its lightest version was when I broke my ankle and I was saying the bike fell, um, yeah. at 10 and a half to 11 meters. It landed, if you watch the video, it landed on its bars in the subframe. And the subframe is hanging up in my workshop. All it did was it had a, um, it cracked the, the fender. So <laughs> actually it was designed with a brake line in the fender. So that was supposed to give. Reason being, if you know a body hit it or whatever, it's going to be a bit more forgiving. Um, but the structure of the uh, subframe is mint. Like it doesn't show any signs of cracking or anything like that, mm-hmm. let alone it be perfectly straight. Um, just because <laughs> carbon even absolutely disintegrates or it's still straight, um, generally. So where I'm going with that is I've got a lot of faith in this carbon setup, and I know that this one will probably be stronger than that setup because what I was, how I was talking about how I designed it. So um, now I'm not concerned at all. Not concerned. Mate, the cool thing about this bike incredible. is um, I was actually thinking the other day if it was to, which there's not a chance I probably ever would, but if I was to travel, um, just the way it's been designed, it's you could nearly take the rear end off, swing arm off and your forks off and then you, you, your three bags and you just put the whole centre unit in. It's, you know, it's, it's very uh, modular, you know. Uh, when I was building it, designing it, obviously I was riding it, I was designing it, and I, and I was the one that had to fab it and, and obviously work on it. Um, you know, you always hear about mechanics complaining about engineers and, you know, why you do this. So I had that added benefit of, all right, I'm designing this, all right, now I'm going to make it out of carbon fiber. It's the best shape, so, you know, it's the easiest for me to do it, as well as, you know, what's the least amount of work it's going to be for me to put together and pull apart. You know, so you're servicing or changing jets or checking something, you can just do it as easy as you can. So I had all of those, you know, three criterias when I was designing it, which kind of adds to it, you know. That's perfect. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. why it works so well. Yeah. Right, so freestyle motocross specific, there's a few things on there. Flip levers, you did mention them before. And that was one thing I noticed very quickly. You've built your own flip levers. They look awesome. Um, yep. But you said you, you've you built them around the new brake system that you're getting made anyway. Yeah. Or, yeah, so... or, if, or have you got like, stand, let's say, standard flip levers that could go on anybody's bike or are they only specifically for this one? So these ones are specifically for that brake setup. Um, okay. So uh, this bike, right? Um, I've I have designed a set that will work with anybody's bike. Um, but I just haven't given it the time to kind of follow it through and test them and whatnot. And maybe I will soon. I'm not sure. Um, but they are my last set of flip levers are just um hand fab titanium jobs, and I had those for years and years, and they're very light. Um, but I wanted to obviously make a, a new version, nice and uh, slim and lighter, obviously. Yeah. Excuse me. And they, um, the coolest thing is they're symmetrical, side to side. That's oh. my favourite thing about them. And if you actually look on the bike, obviously you can't see in that photo. Um, I'm looking at the cat on spinning around in it. They match the um, the shape of the bars, the contour of the bars. So they're, they're as slim and as hidden and out of the way as they can be. Um, because of it so that that's that's what uh one of just one of the little like 
things that top it off that I really like. Um, so I'm looking forward to those breaks going on this. I get them. Do you, do you have OCD or something that, that, that the perfect symmetry just, you're like, oh, that makes me feel better. <laughs> yeah. You know I mean, I don't think I do, but it's got to work and it's got to function well. And, and the coolest thing about what I just said is when I design the left one, I copy and paste and mirror it, you know, so, so I'm only designing one yeah. at a time. So there is a few different benefits. Um, 3D printed uh, rubbers, obviously nothing new for me. Uh, they're mostly alloy and titanium. Um, and yeah, it is what it is. It's 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 it's, 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 it's nothing groundbreaking, but the just I guess the, the fact that they the shape of them and how small they are is, is probably the cool part about it. Um, obviously, close to that, I'm looking at right now is just a three D three D printed bar pad. Nothing special again. I mean, I've done that before, but just nice and slim and enough padding, but still being um, yeah, slim. I guess you get your feet feet around it. Yeah. Um, foot hooks, foot hook or hooks. Yeah. So foot hooks, um, same as what we had maybe talked about in the past, what I've had on my old bike. It's just a 3d printed foot hook on the left. It's same motor because it's, it's obviously on the motor. So that's the same on the right is the same actually hook, but the, uh, hop, the brake the pedal itself is custom. Um, and I guess while we're down there looking at it, the shifter is fully 3D printed and it's custom. 3D printed alloy. alloy oh. Sorry, hollow um, aluminium. And it's a titanium tip. Um, and it also <laughs> custom shaped. So it's actually tucked right away. Um, I know a lot of guys in the freestyle world will shorten theirs or they'll trim it back so they don't hit it. Yeah. Um, so it's a different shape to normal. Um, and then behind it, like all those chain runners and everything are all custom. No suitor. I'm gonna have to. I'd have to look it up. I could probably see it on the file now. But they're all a specific uh, plastic, nice and light. Um, and man, it's crazy how. Um, yeah, so it's a light plastic, and it's uh, very not like low friction. So yeah. when you spin the wheel, there's like next to no drag on it. It's pretty cool. Obviously, very noisy because it's quite stiff, but it, it works. Yeah, if it's if it's less drag, then who cares how yeah. noisy it is? Oh yeah, don't bother me. Um, so yeah, yeah, there's quite quite cool stuff. Um, yeah. On the on the right hand side for your your brake pedal. Yep. Uh, did maybe I was daydreaming for a second. Is that a that's a hook as well? Yeah, yeah. So that's why. Sorry, I, was, I wasn't too specific there. It's a it's a hook at the same time as a brake pedal. Um, yeah, you know, when that's, I say that's what I thought. Said, I, I thought maybe I was daydreaming. I probably was because I was sitting here looking at trying to zoom yeah. in on on pictures. Yeah. <laughs> now that's just simple. It's just the toe pad um, of the brake pedal that is a hook as well, um, which is just three D printed titanium, the same that I had made for my um, KTM. Obviously, I needed a, a custom brake pedal to just navigate the frame. Uh, pretty similar to the um, Brembo setup, but it is yeah custom for this bike. What do you use that brake pedal foot hook for? I mean, for me personally, I used it for seat grab flips because I was always quite nervous that I'd miss my grab, which I did. Yep. Um, and I also used it for the upside knack or the top knack yep. or whatever you yep. want to call that. Um, yep. What do you use it for? 
Because yeah, not many people I mean, have it. No, so I oh, I forever just had the left hook. Um, and the left hook that was your no hand flips. It was your 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 upside necks or whatever you want to call. Um, oh yeah, because you go that direction. I go. Yeah, I've just I worked. I mean, and, and maybe I learned it that way because I had that hook. I don't know. The reason I started using two hooks is when I started doing no hand double flips. I couldn't really let go of one hook. Yep. As soon as I hooked my other foot in, and this was purely me just hooking under like a dead stock brake pedal, so no grip, no nothing. And I was like, wow, this kind of works. So yeah. actually, it actually I think angles I, up. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. It wants you to slide off. I'm yeah. pretty sure on that session, I rode up to the workshop, cut two and a half welds together, went back down like an hour later, and started <laughs> learning them. Like that's how simple that side is, and I just adjusted the heights of it. Um, yeah, so that's I only ever used two for no hand double flips. Um, nowadays, I use two for double flipping purely because since I broke my ankle, I've lost the movement or, or just she's not working the same. So um, I always slip out of the left hook if I yeah. so I, I just chuck the second in there for a safety, um, which is a real bummer because the one trick that I loved doing was that top side neck um, and. I haven't been able to do it since because I've just been too scared about my foot uh, slipping out. Maybe I, I will do it in the future. Maybe not. Um, but yeah, that, that, yeah, that's one. There you go. Top side knack the the other way. Go to the opposite oh, side, mate. Go the way. Yeah, I go. <laughs> might, might not. Not, be able, not the old dog might not be able to learn that new trick. Hey, eh? I'm not sure. Oh. No, I'm sure you can work that one out. Uh, steering dampener. You spoke about that a long time ago now in the chat, but yep. uh, the steering yep. dampener is completely different to everybody else's. Yeah, so the steering stabilizer, I think I've said it before, is um, the, one of the things some, from the very beginning I've always had like this, like a serious, a serious issue with. Um, obviously, we had like every, a lot of guys use GPRs or, or similar ones, and, <laughs> and they work well. They're nice and stiff. But, I mean, they're just not designed to last, man. They just leak and they're rubbish. You know, even if you go on a, a you know, a flight from the altitude, you get back and the thing's seeping. Um, yeah. So I was never a fan, but I obviously had to use it because I couldn't find anything better that was stiff enough. I, I had other ones that I made stiffer, but I'd just break things on them. Um, so, I mean, I, I give them credit to, to being that stiff and they worked for that. So... A lot of, I mean, I mean, I made like mechanical dampers and all sorts of muckrope, all sorts of things. Anyway, that led me to that last bike and I put the road bike stabilizer on, stabilizer on that bike and I really like that. That's probably my favorite one between the two. Um, but with this bike, I was limited to space, um, obviously because of the expansion chamber oh, and the way that last one now. is. Yeah. yeah. The way that last one, it, it, it was the longest, um, stabilizer i could get to that suited it and where it was because it was mounted to the outside of the triple clamp blah, blah, and it just it worked amazing on that bike but for this one i spent like i literally i remember getting to a point and the stabilizer was the last thing i had to do and i remember walking away from the design for about a month because i just tried so many different things and i couldn't get it to work huh. and um so then i don't know ideas come through at weird times and somehow i can't remember when that happened but come to this and this one started to fall into place um and it's yeah the, so it's, it's the it's, one that's there just above where the left radiator shroud should be right correct correct so it's actually yeah. a very short 
stabilizer might be the shortest one they have um and it is uh it's the rod is mounted to the frame at the front and rear and then the the link is mounted to the body and then there's a link that goes to the triple clamp yeah um i was hesitant to have you know obviously i want the least amount of moving parts but sometimes you just have to do what you got to do and then there's also it's quite funny like everything's pretty i mean high tech or not high tech but just different um and one thing about having the uh link mounted to the body is it's it's free to rotate which gives it slot and that's one thing i'm like how do i come up with this and i was like trying to work out a roller system and like a guide and all this stuff and in the end all i did was 3d print a body to put behind it in the frame that essentially just holds it square and it's amazing how well it works and i put um so teflon oh, it's not teflon tape but like a um, teflon sheet they, they use in all sorts of stuff it's a um i use it using some of my molds for certain things but they uh so i just stick that behind it's like a gold thing and maybe if you look close enough in the photo you'll see it so it's like it's really archaic the actual the, the final piece to it it cracks me up the way it is um but it works primo i mean it's funny real funny that last bike i built i had something really awesome stamp uh, stabilizer set up but the same i had the same issue it had just a slight bit of movement left to right which gave a little bit of slot and i couldn't work out anything and i was just there for you know constantly looking at these things trying to find a solution and one day i'm just like oh stuff i'm just going to put a like a, a, a real dutsy rubber band on it for now <laughs> and it worked and i never changed it you know one of my buddies just was laughing at me he's like dude you've done this epic job that was like finishing touch to make it work is like a rubber band and i'm like man sometimes it just works you know so anyway yeah. um that's one of those things maybe this is sort of slightly more high end of the rubber band but it, it kind of makes me laugh it's yeah just, you don't need to reinvent the wheel all the time do you no no just yeah so it's, it's just like a bit of a guide i guess but it works yeah anyway it works awesome it works really well um I love it. It's um those that style of dampener is the best. They're just like that dampener on that bike is about three years old. Like it's not even new for this bike. I've used it on my other bike, um, a different huh. stabilizer setup over and over and over and I haven't even serviced it once. It's crazy. Like I was servicing dampeners twice a week when I rode all the time. Obviously That's... I don't ride at that rate, but yeah. it just it just goes, it's stiff. Um I've got a three D printed dial on it, um just to help me figure out where it is. It's got a little arrow and a um, thing. Um, I guess verse, you know, when we're talking and like, let's say we're in a competition world right now, if I was to, one of the things I'd play around with if I was competing would be, I'd probably design a quick turn dial for it. I don't know for ah. me what that means. I'm not sure because I haven't pulled it apart, but it's two turns from softest to, to the stiffest mode. Yeah. But in saying that, I never really go past one turn back so whereas you so know you'd be like, looking for it, like a quarter turn sort of yeah to do like, the full dial yeah yeah um so like your your gprs you can kind of get away with half a turn which is which yeah. is awesome when you're out there on the bike um but i mean it's not a it's not a deal breaker for me i'd prefer the um i mean it's an easy fix i just haven't really played with it but yeah, yeah just to give you both sides of it mate um gearing I think you said before you only changed one tooth or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So on that last bike I built, um, I played around with the gearing. So one thing I wanted to do was obviously limit 
just weight and I dropped sprocket sizes to reduce sprocket weight which I mean it's, it's minimal but it all makes a difference as well as the chain length um, yes. because you're dropping like two or three links so that's how the gearing came about and I come to that conclusion on the last bike I built the gearing which I liked um, it's a 12 42 on my last bike i believe i think stocks like 1450 or whatever nowadays um the other reason i played with the gearing is to get your wheelbase correct um obviously you can shorten it as much as you want but to get the prime gearing uh, sorry prime length and keep your gearing correct is like a negotiation between sometimes could be five six mil which is quite a lot so that's why i ended up going to that specific gear ratio. I mean, if I had to, I would go bigger sprockets or whatever just to get that swing arm length shorter. You know, it's yeah. the swing arm length dictates my sprockets overall, but I need to keep that ratio. And then at the same time, yeah, my gear ratio is very similar to stock um, as it was, but the torque uh, ratio or torque setting or whatever is different, which does play into it. Don't know too much about that. There's calculators online, but it's just something to keep in mind that it does change it. But just through you know working out the theory of it and then just testing it, it works. So it worked for me. Um, so I just put that same setting back on this bike, and um, yeah. So I, that was the one thing I changed. It was it was a twelve forty two, I believe, and I had designed the sprocket um, accordingly, and then. Obviously, it was just a bit too fast, I think it was. I was over-jumping it, if I recall. So I just chucked huh. 43 on there, and it was all tickety-boo. Wow. But I just haven't gone through the effort. It's just a rental so, sprocket. I haven't gone through the effort to um, redesign it. So going from, from 12 to 43, now you just said, how yeah. many links in your chain would that be less than a normal chain? Because I, I would never have even thought about losing links. Like straight away there you're dropping weight that i hadn't really thought of yeah um now this yeah i mean let's just say the same let's say the same actual wheelbase so we're not talking about it. yeah, uh, yeah um, true, because your I wheelbase say, is shorter so it's <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 like i mean from the original chain link that's heaps it's a lot um sorry yeah so from the original swing arm length to end gearing setting it's quite a lot but from let's say i actually just had stock uh gearing on at the same length off the top of my head it'd probably be two maybe three yeah. it's a substantial amount but it's um yeah it's subs substantial amount like i think it's it's like 100 grams or something you know 50 to 100 grams which is a lot especially when you're rotating you know um yeah and then that that's also plays into your driveline drag and whatnot. And, but now we're now we're really nitpicking. Um, but that's the way I like to be. Obviously, because of that, I had to redesign the uh, chain guide. Um, had to make that a lot smaller to actually match the small sprocket, just so it actually worked. Ah, right. Um, but yeah, that's about okay. That. Yeah. Um, and same with the front chain guide. I believe I made that a lot smaller, so it didn't have too much play. Oh yeah. 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 yeah so I that's see a, that. specific to that gear ratio. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh the only other thing let's that I'm talking freestyle motocross specific 
Apart from the seat, but we've already spoken about the seat and all the holes in the fairings and everything that you could possibly grab onto. Mm -hmm. Grip tape. That's about the only other thing I can see that's special. Um, You just got a bit of grip tape up the frame and that's about it. So have have I missed missed anything? I think freestyle specific, you probably hit the nail on the head. Um, Yeah, grip tape, like, and then that comes into those little 3D printed wings I've put on there. Um, Yeah, I think that's about it. I mean, you're talking to someone that looks at it nearly every day and it's kind of, old news so i don't know i don't see the detail anymore um (laughs) yeah i mean i mean apart from that like you've got just where the ignition stuff and cdi is all located it's all tied in um under the where the tank would be Um, there's a whole bunch of little details that's quite cool and and maybe i'll make a video on it one day actually i've had photos taken on so i'll probably do it at some stage um but yeah that's about it it's about i think we've covered pretty much everything that's what I thought. I've mm. I've gone through and I thought that's pretty much everything I could work out. Did it sound like I knew what I was talking about? Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no. It at least to the degree where you've um you put enough time into have a good shit about it. Yeah, um, it yeah. does interest me a bit. <laughs> I mm. like I said, mm. I am the least mechanical person you're gonna get. I'm I'm as lazy as it comes. Uh I will pay a mechanic to do everything for my bike because I don't trust myself with it. Um, I, I like riding it. I'm, I'm yeah, mm, I don't spend mm. enough time to like what you said, when you don't know about something, you, you kind of stop talking about it. And yeah, yeah, I don't know enough about the mechanics that I'm not going to risk my life. <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that's my, just that. You know, yeah. I'll do, I'll do most things, but I'm not going to go. I did rebuild my bike twice or three times and i felt yeah. so nervous every time i did it i uh i thought nah i'm, I'm giving up on this shit i'll, I'll yeah, rebuild yeah. i'll rebuild something that i'm not gonna like fall 75 feet from that's okay but uh yeah 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 what i want to know is at at the end of all of this this is kind of the big question you've you have basically answered it but why do it why why go so deep into all of this and this is already we've been here for a long time now talking about and we haven't even scratched the surface of what you have actually done why did you do it why not um what else would i do um it's i just love it like i purely just a passion um i love engineering and the that was just combining two, and I, that was the final thing I think I had left to do in the sport. Yeah. Um, it was very weird when I, when I finished it. It was this weight off my shoulders, like sweet, I'm done. I can I can leave this behind me now. Um, whether I do or not, it's a different story. But you know, like that's the last thing I felt I had to do, just build that bike because it was it was. Um, yeah, I did want to do a triple flip, and I think this bike would do it very easy. But the funny thing is. <laughs> Um, when I knocked off, like part of the reason I did was actually because I was ready to knock off. Um, and part of the reason was I really wanted to knuckle down and have this bike built and I could not do the tour, could not um, continue to ride at the rate I could and design it. Um, so part of me thought, yeah, okay, maybe I'll probably, I could come back and ride a comp or a best trick once the bike's done. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Soon as I was done, I was like, man, I, I think I'm pretty well done. Maybe not, maybe, but at the moment. Um, part of me wants to do a triple on it um, just because. Uh, just to test it. I know, I, I know it will do it very easy, and I think it would be able to be done in, off a ramp which is um, sustainable, not jumping to the moon, you know. Not saying that that's a bad thing, but I don't, I don't want to go to the moon, you know. So, um, that was the idea behind it. But whether I do it now or not, it's a different story. Maybe wait, one morning I will wake up and have a crack. But at, at the moment, I don't really feel like even gearing up to jump ramp. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's it really. That's that's why no real reason. Just kind of need to finish it off. Yeah. Unfinished business. Yeah, yeah. Maybe now why. it's done. Um, I, and I, I really love engineering and building bikes. Like I think that's where I am with it. Like originally, I wanted to build a lot of freestyle stuff and whatnot um, and parts, but I think I'm probably going to steer away from that now and just build complete bikes. Um, whether I build more of these or not. I'm not sure, um, but just custom bikes. You know, maybe I build. I've got a bike downstairs, and I'm like, man, that would make a very nice flat tracker or a cafe racer. So that kind of stuff I'm eyeing up. I've got a motocross design, and, and I've just kind of started sketching, which is a little bit out there, um, which I'd like to build in the coming years. Um, but yeah, I'm in no rush. Eh? I'm not not really trying to um, just doing it as I please. Sound yeah. fun with it. Yeah. For the triple flip, I wasn't going to ask you, but now that you yep. said it, <laughs> with that bike, what ramp do you think you do need? What um, could you envision yourself doing it off? I think like the original Nitro Moon Buddha, so the one that you know Travis and Sheeny were jumping in, 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 in indoor at. Um, like the Aussie Nitro and say yeah. in Aussie, uh, like 2016, I think. Yeah. Um, now this is something that I can say, you know, that's where I'd start. I don't know where I'd end up, whether you'd end up smaller or bigger. Um, I actually built a ramp in 2018 for it, for my old bike, which was practically the same size as the Moon Buddha, but it's like the non-American version. Um, and what I think would it where I would start um, from. I never actually ever jumped. Obviously, broke my ankle, and that kind of just stopped everything there. And then things change over time. So, um, to where it could get, I don't know. I don't know. I think maybe you'd have to start there. I think is where I'd start. Mm-hmm. I think you'd yeah. get it. You know, um, the reason I say that is I've ridden this bike a bit in a double flips like. I've really got to take it easy just double flipping 70, uh, 45 foot. So I'm talking dead stock 45 foot to a, um, to a, a tall, like a high landing, uh, which obviously adds to it. And no no pop, so dead flat. Um, and it just chills. You know, like I, I can stand up on the first rotation, stretch out as much as I can and suck it back in to speed it back up. Um, and then off 75 when I flip, I'd never planned to, flip 75 again and you have only done to your bag and that's enough for me nowadays but um it just chills on it like the first time i was so nervous to do it but the, even just to the airbag the first time i did it i over rotated <laughs> not <laughs> to the degree i fell off the back but like you know i had an extra quite a few spare degrees in there so 
Yeah, um, you, you might be a little blasé right now. You're only saying flipping, but you mean double flipping 75. Yeah, double flipping. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> if you just want to flip it, you just give it a bit more off the ramp and it spins. Um, so, yeah, like that's all I can gauge it on right now. Yeah. And to be honest, I think it needs a young fellow to ride it who's, who's got some go in them still, you know, got the drive, um, which would be epic and I would be happy for that to happen. Um, but for that to happen, I need to design, redesign, get rid of the carbon fiber and have actually have, say, a titanium subframe with plastics. Um, yeah, that can just handle not, the bashing over yeah, and over Yeah, and over it's and just over. not sustainable. Um, yeah. It's very epic. <laughs> yeah, you'll be, light. you'll be the chief mechanic only because you'll be making carbon fiber yeah, all day and yeah, all night I don't to, want to, be to keep somebody carbon. training in a foam pit or on an airbag, I guess. That's right. Yeah. So, I mean, if when, when I do that, but that, that's a big job in itself. The body works very hard. That's actually one thing that a lot of people are saying is like, why do you use carbon fiber? It breaks easy and all that stuff is... Um, one thing to keep in mind when, you, when you're designing something for this kind of level is we're not now we're not talking bikes that are made for everybody they're not made like when you go to the shop and you buy your off the showroom floor bike that's made for joe blogs to ride you know three to four years on end and have multiple crashes whenever i built a bike or a part all i ever wanted for that bike is to sustain itself pre-crash needs to be strong enough to perform as soon as it is outside of its like realm you know if i crash or done whatever it can do it once. I don't care if it, if it sustains the crash. It's too strong. Yeah. You know what I mean. Um, so that it's too strong, which means it's too heavy. Um, so that's one thing that I get asked very often: is why do you use carbon fiber? Why this and why that? Partly because carbon fiber is very cool, and <laughs> the other reason it's nice and light. Um, obviously, yes, it's a bit more dangerous. It's got no flex, but it is what it is. Yeah. Anyway, just thought I'd add that in there. <laughs> Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, that and because it's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, what tricks are you able to do now that seem way too easy? And before you answer that question, the video I saw of you doing a ruler flip at a show, yep. I'm going to assume that was way too easy. But is yeah, there anything yeah, yeah, else? Yeah. No, so that's the first thing you said. So like I said, I mean, I don't ride very much and I just muck around and um, really if I go ride, it's very odd, but I, I like doing whips and flips. Um, I, I, I really enjoy double flipping. It's kind of funny. Um, just the feeling of spinning, you know. Um, and then I just play around and roll the flips, but I don't enjoy them as much. Um, so I, don't, I can't really comment on too much, but anything where you're moving the bike, it's just, just silly easy. Um, like there's not a chance I would go into a roller flip like that this day and age with the amount I do ride, um, but it just does it. And the cool thing is, it like I'm still like I'm hanging there and I'm like right, I hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. Okay, now get back on because you you overspun it and you're like essentially just holding as long as you can to slow it back down. Mm -hmm. Um, if I went to the next gen ramp and done it. it it would be crazy, man, because um, that's just off a normal seventy-five setup. But I'm, I don't, I don't ride enough at the moment to feel confident to do that. Nor did I really care to anymore. So, Mate, yeah, that that video that I saw, I mean, it's it's only a few videos back in your Instagram feed. Um, yeah, 
But uh, I mean, we're in 2021 right now. So if you're listening into the future, it's probably a long way. <laughs> actually, no, probably not for you because you don't actually be, go on Insta that much. There'll be four photos <laughs> back in about five years, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll probably but, upload um, some more that stuff soon. Yeah, but uh, that ruler flip, if it was on the next gen, it probably would have been a double ruler flip. Yes. You when, overcooked it and you could see you were. You could see in the video you were trying to hold it to slow it down. You still overcooked the shit out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would be cool. And that's why I say, like, it'd be cool to see a young fella ride it to just see where it would go. Um, And, yeah, maybe that's something I'll work on in the future is to get the um, plastics done and they can at least ride my one, you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. Should be quite cool. Mm. Um, Now, here's just a, a couple of finishing sort of questions i know we've been here for a long time and, and uh you're probably very over it i'm sorry <laughs> but oh, it is no, very no, interesting I, to listen to you if we're talking um, free, like other stuff I, i'll probably get sick of it but engineering can talk about all day so good. <laughs> Keep it sweet coming. all yeah. right well maybe everybody listening's probably already tuned out because it was just yeah. engineering <laughs> it's just you like, and me left yes yeah, i'd say there'd probably only be a few riders who are actually really think about it and really listen would take their yep. notes i think um yep. no maybe not i i know there's definitely some engineers who listen to this and that's how we got onto it in the first place a year ago but anyway um i did an interview two months ago actually with paul everest from unit and yep. he was talking about a couple of things with his new brand thriller and he said, yep. oh, can you just hold off a couple of months before you release it, which I have, and I'm actually about to release it probably tomorrow. And in that chat that I had with him back then, I brought up the Skycraft bike that him mm. and his brother built. And I probably did know the story way, way, way back when they did do it. And it was his brother, Ian, who designed it. And the reason unit or half the reason unit even became was because of this bike design back in 2002 or something. And so, um, to remind me, it was a hundred thousand dollars for him to build that bike. He had, I think I had 200,000, but yeah. Oh, I think he he even okay, he told me. Okay, well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, no, you're probably I'm right. What I, hear. <laughs> no, I don't know. No, nah. yeah. So okay, yeah. Sorry, probably right. <laughs> Especially in today's cheap. money. I'm impressed. I, I, I know, and I and I thought about that after he said it, and I'm like, that's actually incredibly cheap. Yeah, especially to, if they didn't build it themselves. You know what I mean? Because that's no. one time, one way you save money on it. Yeah, they had um, Red Bull, was it Triple Eight Racing yeah, Supercar yep. Team? And Do they the had carbon working. They had designers from all around the world for all different parts. And I thought, a mm. hundred grand is actually nothing. No, but anyway, yeah. so that so that was that part. And um, and he did say it was light enough that you could pick it up with two hands. Hmm. And at that point, I was like, yeah, but I've seen like Harry Bink or Kane Saul. They could could pick up a a 97 XR600 with two. Yeah, 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 yeah. But obviously, it was incredibly light, like about 85 kilos or... I I think it was in the 60s or 70s. Maybe 70s. What I read. Now, I don't know, but like I said, I spent a lot of time looking at stuff. And the Skycraft was one thing I got a lot of inspiration from. just 
I mean, yeah, because it was it, those dudes were ahead of their time, even just designing that. The idea, the thought of it was ahead of its time. Um, so I was constantly looking at the concepts behind it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I looked at everything, man. You've got to take in every other person's design and try and make your own from it. Um, so, yeah, they've done an awesome job. I don't know too much more about it apart from that, though. Right, I okay. D- yeah, I mean, I did notice quite a few cheeky things in it. Um, that that's quite funny. Like, um, what's it's that? It's got no. Oh, just the frame goes over where the kickstart would be, and and the exhaust is not plumbed up. And just certain little things. That it's a concept bike, you know. Because I thought, man, yeah. I'd love to ride that and see what it feels like. And then I kind of the closer I look, the more I realise um, had a bit more to go. Um, but nothing to take away that away take that away from it, you know. Yeah. Would you yeah. Would you love to just give that thing a ride though? I don't the the skycraft. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, I mean, like let's go a little bit more forward and 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 put it in onto a you know redo redo it for the for actual prototype. Um, yeah, I'd be keen as there's things like uh, with that that I noticed like, um, but I think this is just coming from a rider that's designed it first. Not as the wheelbase is one thing, um, the fork angle is another, and the, even the tires alone um, is another. So. Looking at the rear tire on it, um, like let's say it was sixty-five kilos, they they had the um, I'm pretty sure it's a a one twenty Dunlop on the rear, <laughs> so right there you could drop one point two kilos to eleven hundred eleven hundred grams, I think. Just with changing the tire, you know, so wow. little things like that, I was like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, you, you know, like that's the edge I can have with my bike, you know, so just that experience there. That's that's awesome. So you've yeah. definitely studied that bike then as well oh, as all these sure. other bikes. Yep, 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 yep. Like I said, like I spent a lot of time looking at, um, I'm actually got it right in front of me. Like I said earlier, Horst Lettner, yeah. probably going to pronounce it incorrectly. If you just put in his name and 125, the first Google image is a 125 with a 94 on it. Um, that You'll see the similarities between that bike and what the concepts I've taken into this. Um, you know, like designers like him, um, and then there's all sorts of other. I love looking at motocross bikes from the eighties. Um, they just they're quite free. Like bikes haven't changed since the nineties. Barely anything, you know, apart from yeah. the Yamaha, you know, spinning the the cylinder around. Everything's much the same. Yeah. They perform and they're a lot better, but they're much the same. Um, so I like looking back at the old concepts, but from a new direction, you know, a new yeah. technology. Um, yeah, well, yeah, and so a different purpose as well. Correct, correct. And so I'd looked at everything, you know, anybody from the KTMs, Yamahas, everything. Like take, just look at any little thing and try and see where the edge was and, and why they'd do stuff. And then you'd kind of add it in. So you'd add the freestyle spin on it from there. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I, I only brought that up because it was also so interesting that Paul and Ian at Unit supported you for however long. Maybe it was... Yeah five ten years you it was were, a very long time and from the early days too very, yeah very, i think maybe 15 maybe 14 or 15 yeah and i thought yeah, how, no, no. how crazy is that that you were with them for for so long and and they designed that bike and and here you are 20 years or almost 20 years later yeah you're 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 the new driving force of something yeah like ian was so far ahead of Everybody I, honestly, at that time. You don't even realize at the time, but looking back, you're like, huh, 
first I'd only just started in this dude's redesigned an epic bike for it. Yeah. 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 So I mean, like I said, I, I spent plenty of time looking at all of this stuff and trying to understand why, why, you know, just get into the, into the head of who designed it to understand why and what its purpose is and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, Paul did say uh, he'd be he'd be pumped to jump on a call and and have a chat to you about whatever oh, you're likewise. doing. So, likewise, yeah, I've already, um, already spoke to him, so he said he'd yeah. be, he'd love to get on and have a chat. Um, I have a lot of lot of respect for um, Paul and Ian and and how they supported me over the years. You know, They're very good mates. And I mean, I haven't spoken to either either one of them in quite a long time. But when yeah, when we're in the circuit, spend a lot of time with them. Yeah. No. They they were they were ahead of the the game, and I think. I think all of us actually have a lot to. Yeah, yeah, they we, we owe them a, a quite a lot. They've they've done yeah. so much. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, getting back to more normal. Well, I'm not even going to say normal people, but we've seen you. You know, different riders taking ownership of some of your parts that you've made. Yep. Especially the most not- noticeable part, the swing arm. We already spoke about Harry Bink and J.O. They're the triple flippers and and they've they've taken on the swing arm. You've designed it for their bikes. Um, would that swing arm alone help them for the triple flip or do they yep. need more, do you think? Yeah, yeah. So as I done this bike, I designed the other kit stuff and that was the um, triple clamps as well. The triple clamps are a lot shorter. Um, Mm-hmm. To fit uh, a regular pretty, bike, yeah, yeah, yeah. This so it's all, the, it's, all the it's, it's the idea to just go and you know off the shelf buy it, and now you got freestyle parts. Um, that was that was my goal with that, and that was halfway through designing this. I actually just done that for a little bit of fun, as well as because I didn't want to ride my other carbon bike that I built. I was too scared to break it. Ended yeah. up riding it in the end anyway. But um, <laughs> so I just wanted to make a kit set bike off the shelf of what I could do, and from swing arm triple clamps dampener that alone was enough to give me the feel of what that uh, the first carbon bike was that i built um similar to similar so those were the biggest things like i tried to break it down what's off the shelf you know essentially off the shelf and what can i do to make that feel and it came pretty close to it um as soon as i changed the tires again it was really close um so yeah, that, that's that. Um, that's, that, I mean, yeah, that is that. Right. So if somebody's looking for parts, would you, are you open to pumping out a swing arm here or there or I have been. levers or foot I hooks, you know, they're quite um, consumable? Yeah, I have been, but I don't think I will continue to. Um, I'd like to, but it just, it's very time consuming for um what goes in uh, sorry yeah for, for what what comes out of it um purely just doing it for the love of it like there's no, there's no margin in it obviously because yeah. <laughs> when you're doing one-off parts they cost so much you pay, mate um yeah and exactly. i don't really care to i mean i'm open to starting it as an aftermarket thing but i would want to i'd need to team up with someone to do that just with where my um interest line like a like a really just like designing and being in the office building bikes you know i oh, sorry yeah. in the workshop building bikes so um if someone was willing to work with me and do that yeah cool i don't think i'm going to chase it um and yeah I'm, like i'm open to doing custom stuff but 
I've, I've done it last couple of years and just odds and ends here and there and it's been pretty cool and the guys have loved it but it's just it's very time consuming to what I get out of it yeah um, so and that's kind of why where I made where I've started to make my mind up is like I really just prefer making the bike itself and there's it more high end more custom more collecting spec you know so just one one bike a year I'll, I'll be pretty happy that's cool and, and also i kind of like just doing different stuff like i'm doing a second freestyle bike now and it's, it's pretty boring <laughs> you know because i've already been there done that it's, it's a lot easier than the first one but kind of like the challenge of you know it's different every time you know Mate, not saying it, i'm, I'm not going to build the same version over again but i don't want to produce it yeah that yeah. that sounds very similar to your answer when we did that last podcast when we were talking about the retirement yeah, and, it's pretty, and, probably and, and you gave almost the exact same answer as to why you stopped riding freestyle competitions. Why would I want to go win the same trophies I've already got? Yeah, and pretty I, much, yeah. You know, yeah. I, okay, why go build another freestyle bike if it's going to be almost the same? You're, you're already bored mm. with it by the sounds mm-hmm. of it. I could, like I said, if I was competing, I would make it a lot better. Like, there's a lot of things I... But as I was doing it, I was like, okay, okay. certain things in that, like, version 5 already you know and then by the time you've built it you, you've got like version 10 in your kit whether it's yeah. swing arm wheels frame all sorts of little things um but yeah like i said that's fine tuning it kind of done its dash what's next what, what can i do next you know something better and different i, I kind of would I, I wouldn't mind moving more into like a mainstream bike like i said with more um like a more motocross bike or whatever obviously that's out of my realm of expertise with experience you know like designing a freestyle bike yeah okay i'm probably pretty qualified for that designing a motocross bike not so qualified i really have to work with someone who's a who's a top level rider to test and, and work out what works for that you know but that's yeah. kind of where i see my next challenge who would who you'd have to team up with a full-time racer then i guess if you're going to go yeah, down the sure. motocross road for sure for sure i think like as far as the original design goes i've got a concept that i think potentially is going to be epic it'll be it'll be it'll be absolutely epic it'll flop hard and it'll just be a cool concept (laughs) but um (laughs) yes that's more suspension design anywho um i'd i'd need to talk to a lot of riders um a lot of races and and essentially just interview them and, and talk to them about what they like you know their feel on the bike how they like to respond how they like so you know what i mean and then also you need to talk to bike mechanics and and all sorts it's a it's a very deep rabbit hole to go down yeah see i think that 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 brings its own difficulty because at the moment you're building a bike on your expertise you know exactly what you want how you can build it with what materials you have at your disposal yep. or you've or you've learnt the skills you needed to learn to be able mm. to build it but then if you if you're now interviewing and asking other people yeah kind of at the same place as ktm factory or kawasaki factory or for sure for know, sure for sure only Definitely. as a one-man I mean, a band lot, instead a lot, a lot a lot lesser off um but i just like that stuff so that, that would be the reason i do it. and that's why i said it's a long term um I would like to build this next concept at some stage in the next, you know, three to five years, probably. Um, but who knows? Just keep going. and Mate, end up doing something else instead. Talk about 
lofty goals. Like you, you don't fuck around, do you? <laughs> we're, we're not here to muck around. No, 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 exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, look, we've we've been on for a long time. If if you want to wrap this up, we can. If not, there was just a couple of questions about the next gen ramp. Uh, yeah, no, let's just I keep going. We'll knock it all out. Knock it all out, right? Yeah. Well, um. I've actually got a question here from old FMX Grizz, so I'll play that for you. Uh, yep. Actually, first, sorry, first question was about the ramp, and he texted that. As new riders that are riding freestyle on an 8-meter or a 9-meter radius or whatever, American standard ramp, when would you say is the right time to make the change to the next-gen ramp? Or should they start at the next-gen ramp these days? I don't think you should probably start there. Um, I mean, you can. It's just a big In, jump. Um, it's a big jump, but what I was my questioning, my reasoning behind, you know, jumping in on his question is, could you cut one meter off the top, so have a two and a half meter ramp, and then when you're ready, then you bolt the the top piece back on. If you know what you, I mean, you you for sure could. You for sure could. So, off the top of my head. Um, that ramps eight and a half meter radius mm-hmm. so by taking that meter off you've you've nearly got your nine meter you probably just got a nice nice jump anyway so yes it's probably That's a really good I'm option thinking. um one thing you want to keep in mind is by doing that this is i get way too picky and fussy with things but like i've learned you you don't ever put the last bit of sheet metal on at the top of the ramp um you know for the reason it kicks you you know, you yes. want to have a nice long length. So that would be something I would keep in mind by putting a join there. You may interfere with the radius or, or the characteristics of that ramp enough that it might kick you a bit funny in the next-gen uh, formation. But I don't think it to, it's to the degree where I'd worry about it. It's just something I've got to keep in mind. Um, but, yeah, I think it's probably a good idea and go for it. Um, one, thing I, one thing I will say about that ramp is – when you're asking when do you think is a good stage to jump it, I think if you're a very if you're a very confident rider, you've got a motocross background and, and you're pretty good at timing stuff and just feeling it, just jump it at any stage. You know what I mean? Like what's yeah, the difference? It's a jump. Um you know, flipping it for the first time will be a little bit fun for you because it flips very easy. Um and then you'll start having a lot of fun. But uh that where I was going with that is um when I built that ramp, I was jumping it on dirt, and it was pretty hardcore. Obviously, I jumped on e-bag first and, and done doubles on it on e-bag first. But, um, yeah, she was on dirt, and it was scary, man. Like, it was it was hardcore. I loved it, but I knew that that would, that would um, if I crashed it, it would not be fun, and sure enough, that's what happened. Um, but the cool thing about it now is our landings, we don't have to do that. We don't need that, you know, like. That we're, we're kind of over the hardcore days. Let's just all have fun, be safe, and ride the airbag landings. Are just as good, you know. Um, I think that's where that ramp will come into its own now. Like the Nitro boys are now running it on the airbag landing, and they're, they're having a really good time. So I'm pretty stoked that um, that's happened. I think that's just what that ramp needed, but we didn't have the landings at that stage for it. Yeah, um, the technology hadn't caught yeah. up yet. Yeah, like and like I said, I had not planned to jump that ramp again since I'd kind of knocked off. Um, but then I was just looking at my e-bag and that, and I was like, why not? Why not? Yeah. It's, it's so much fun. So yeah, that, that's probably my answer to when it's kind of up to you, but 
yeah, just keep, them, keep that in mind. Um, you did mention Nitro. I was, I was actually going to say about them because, uh, you know, guys like Jake May, he's got pretty mm-hmm. much every ramp that's ever been yeah. designed at so his compound, um, which is pretty fucking awesome to see, to be honest. Um, yeah. and a few other riders have started building them. Uh, we had two of them at Night of the Jumps and at, well, we, we put them at Red Bull Dirt Diggers in 2019 and watching the guys hit it looked unbelievable. Yeah. But nobody else has really used it since. But then, yeah. did you watch uh, Adam Jones's uh, testing videos on YouTube when they tested the ramps for the new Nitro tour no, that they're on right I've now? I've seen a couple of clips, but I oh, should actually have a watch. You should you should watch it. I think there was two or three mm. videos he did, and they're like 20 mm. minutes each. Mm. And it was the testing day where they brought uh, the airbag, I think, to Jared McNeil's house. And the funny thing with the airbag was the the regular ramp onto the regular sized airbag, you know, they, they kind of, Bo Bamberg, who just had a fucking huge crash yesterday or the day before or a couple of days ago. Oh, shoot. On, um, I think he was on the moon booter, landed yeah. normal from a ruler flip and then just got bucked. Bounce. Yeah. bounced down and broken his collarbone so he's pretty pissed but in yeah. in adam jones's um testing video he just jumped normal hmm. and over jumped gave it gas because he was over jumping but as soon as he landed on the end of the airbag he just went into like this full loop out you know sky wheelie larry loop yeah. out thing and he he and yeah he, five meters from the end of the landing on his ass i've seen so, people do that i haven't seen that but yeah yeah and so and this is bamberg like this is a dude who knows how to ride a bike like he's mm. got some fucking skills mm. um but anyway the rest of the riders were jumping it and you know you could see them jumping and it was fine but they get like a little bit of airbag wobbles at the bottom and whatever yeah yeah and they said when they lifted up the airbag and brought in the next gen Adam, I think it was Adam in the video said that feels 10 times better or something like yeah. that. He's like that ramp with that landing is like that, that it's was made, it's made it, for freestyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and I was, um, because that's exactly what we've been planning on doing at night of the jumps yeah. is to have that kind of flexibility, you know, and that angle. And I was like, okay, I think, in my mind, I could think the next gen would do that onto that angle. And I'm yep. so glad that they've done the but, testing and it yeah. worked like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now we can all, all utilize that. Yeah. Um, like they've done the hard work and it worked. Yeah. And a lot of that is chasing like, so the idea of that ramp is you've got a certain amount of float time in, in the air. Um, you know, like let's say you jump 200 feet on a flat takeoff. You can have a little bit of float there in the, in the center of your your, your yeah. jump i guess um or whatever it calls hang time on like a regular 75 there's not a lot there's, and there's not much pop and it's it is what it is i started making wedges for nine meter ramps at 300 mil if anyone wants to do that it works amazing um that's the best like i won't touch one otherwise um awesome for whips and flips it's pretty cool i mean it's the closest you anyway it's a stepping stone to the next new ramp. um that's something you know if you're if you're out there jumping you want a bit of pop and you don't really want to build or invest in a next gen ramp right now or you know 
it's easier for you to jack it up. Just build a 300 millimeter wedge and prop your nine meter up. Jump it maybe at about 74 to 73 to 74 feet. Uh, just it just sits a bit nicer, but that's up to you, you know. Um, anyway, where I was going with that is that's where that nine meter was. Uh, sorry, the next gen ramp. Why it was designed is just to try get that BMX feel, get that pop, that float. Yeah. And it's your takeoff angles, your landing angles, and I, I don't know. All the rest of it, I spent a very long time, like I'd hate to think how many ramps I designed at that stage. Um, <laughs> but yeah, ended up building that, and and it, it seems to work. Also, I will note, I, when I do jump, I jump at 73 feet um, yep. to the knuckle. I always measure to the knuckle. Um, yep, good. <laughs> so... Now, this is coming from someone that used to like jumping 79 to 80 feet back in the day, you know, and then I worked out, oh, I'm chasing the wrong wrong end of this. I need to go shorter and steeper yeah. for the hang time. Um, so, yeah, that, that works for me. I think the Nitro boys might be 71 or 72 feet uh, yeah. for their setup. And, you know, it's just there's no rules, man. Just do what works. It's, yeah. it's pretty cool, yeah. And, that's yeah and, and for everyone that's wondering, heaps of people hit me up. Um, with the for the double flips, it, I don't jack it up or anything. She just flat on the ground, because that's that's how I like. That's the reason why I wanted the ramps that way is because no more jacking up. Just get it level and ride it. You know, stick the ramp on the ground. Yep. Just yep. bolt it down and be done yeah. with it. Yeah. So sort yeah. of something to keep in mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you see not too long ago on Instagram Kyle Demello the front flip? Nah, like I, I, no. do, I live in, I live in my own world. I don't know what's happening I, these days. I, 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 I assume so. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. I assume so. That's why I thought I'd spell it out because I knew you yeah. wouldn't have seen it. Anyway, it sparks a thought. I will go. I will. I'll mention it after this. Actually, sorry. He continue. did well. Uh, this front flip that I just saw is on a regular ramp. Yeah. It doesn't say anything in the comments, but as I look at the video. I would say that was the next gen ramp. It looks like a very tall ramp compared to him on the run up. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, if I'm not mistaken, that's a fronty. What he says is first go, mm. uh, first attempt, and he pulls it around Ooh. sweet. Dude, they fucked oh, with a snow bike. I'm just having a look right now. Um, I'm just dusting the uh, dusting off my Instagram. Um. That's big, man. Yeah, I couldn't say. It does look like a... a I don't know. I don't know in that world. I, no, I know. But good on him, yeah. man. That's huge. That, um, where I was going to go with this earlier is one of my favorite things I've seen done, and especially off that ramp, was um, Thomas Page's front, front flip, the next gen at Sydney X Games. Mm. And, man, it was just sick. It was sick. I, I rated it, man. Um, yeah, so that kind of stuff is cool. And that was at this, that was at the era of those mechanical ramps. And then he went and done it off that. And I was like, man, respect, you know, and I know yeah. how big that ramp is, <laughs> how scary that is. But that reminded me of it when you mentioned it, actually. That's what I bring that up. You said, um, before you don't really do much else other than whips and rotations. Yeah. Front flips or rotation? Oh, yeah, I've <laughs> thought about it, you know. Um, it's, I've thought about it. I do want to do a front flip. So as I said, um, where I left in 2018, before I broke my ankle, I built that triple flip ramp and I started learning fronties on my mountain bike to 
obviously take to a dirt bike because that's where I wanted to go. Everything changes over those times and stuff. Um, and the funniest thing is I've, I've been sitting here for the last two weeks um, contemplating if I hang my boots up completely, as I, I'll always go and ride motocross, don't get me wrong. But what I mean from freestyle is like, um, or do I go have a little bit more fun with it? Uh, maybe go ride a, uh, a certain tour that's coming to New Zealand next year or not. I'm not sure, I, but I, I'm just working out. Do I like the idea more than I like the action? Part yes. of me is like, I really want to go ride the foam pit just to, just to have a play, you know, and then that might spark it. But, and where I was saying is I'm mucking around some flexible composites and stuff pretty much for that reason. Cause when I start doing that, you, yeah, it's a different story. Um, yeah. uh, to answer your front flip thing, yeah, consider it. Do I like the idea of stuff more than the action sometimes? Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, they were talking about the tour and I was like, sweet, give me a weekend. I'll go for a ride and see how I feel. And then my bike was in pieces. I know that bit, I mean, in pieces, the rear end was off it because I changed the gearing. And, um, I looked at it and I looked at my gear bag and I was like, I'm just going to load up the Jennies and ramp stuff and go watch the boys ride, you know, and just go help out. And that's what I did. Um, and I was happy as. So, it, it, uh, yeah, just, I don't have that in me, I don't think anymore. But I, every now and then you wake up like, I want to go, I'm just going to piss off whips or something, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, to answer the front foot thing, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. That's it. Well, um, the the funny thing was, remember after we did that last episode, I, I was sitting there with my wife's, um, she's got a Samsung Note phone, and I just yes. sketched out your ramp plans, and I, oh, oh it actually looks kind of funny, and I, I put it on that T-shirt, and I showed you, and you're like, oh, yeah, sweet, go for it. Yeah, I I finally wore that shirt for the first time um, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. We had our first event, and uh, I I turned up there at night of the jumps, and Remy Bizois, he was there for Team France. Yeah, and he saw he saw the shirt from a from a fair way away, and he could see Next Generation was written on there, and he got up closer. And he's like, "Hey," and I'm going to do the worst French accent. Is is this the the real the real dimensions? I'm like, yeah, 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 that's it. That's and he's so taken funny. he's taken a photo just up close of the shirt to get the dimensions of it. He's like, no, 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 it's not the real dimensions. Like, well, why would I put it on if it wasn't? Hmm. And uh just and I just, the real plan, man. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mate, uh, I actually put the the plans on on the Riders Lounge Podcast dot com site. Like they're up yeah, there. Yeah, cool, you can, cool. I'll, you can look I'll at the PDF. You don't have to yeah, don't good. have to look at the shirt. But I I just thought how good that was that he was so interested in knowing, and he, he's he's actually badgered me from your last episode. You said about having a nine meter jacked up three hundred mils. Hmm. He's like, "Oh, have you have you got the ramp plans for that yet?" And I'm like, oh, "I don't think there's any plans. I think it's nah, just, just three hundred mil, three hundred mil. Yeah, yeah. Just, so just it, you can do it. Do it. Do it. However you want. Um, yeah, but I think it was it was just so interesting to me that he was he was doing his research. Put it that way. Um, yeah. A lot of people have. A lot of people, uh, like I've had a lot of messages from people 
about certain things and go back and forth about whatever like whatever it might it might be ramps or bike stuff or they might show me hey man i've seen what you're doing that's cool well one thing i will say is i've always run one radiator on my bike and a few people have said hey man look i'm doing one radiator too now cool keep in mind if you do do it you're you need to monitor your temps Mm. I, I use uh, seems very basic but yeah. yeah 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 so actually with freestyle it doesn't run hard enough with two but one it does prime actually depending on where you are um i will just say use engine ice which runs about 10 degrees cooler so put that in it'll help you through it the last thing i want is someone to seize their bike and i just <laughs> use a basic um this is not the most accurate sometimes i use the um the infrared or whatever the heat gun just to keep an eye on it when i'm maybe somewhere hot or whatever it used to be somewhere hot i just use like the pro circuit temp stickers on the cylinders to monitor it make sure it doesn't go over 100 um oh yeah but i like so when people message me that i pass that on but i just thought i'd say that in case everyone's listening and wanted to or did do that um it's not willy-nilly yeah yeah no that that's yeah. a fair yeah. call yeah um, i will um if you've linked up those ramp photos maybe i'll put them in my um description i'll just put a link to it to the yeah, yeah. podcast where they can download it Cause a lot of people hit me up i've seen them through but obviously that, that'll be a lot easier yeah no i've i've put them up and actually i'm in the process of gathering plants from other places as well because... I'll, I'll send i'll send you everything i've got in that case i don't have a oh. lot but i've got a few well, I think you've sent me through your 45 foot um your design yeah i've, I've got, got a regular one. 45 foot too um yeah well so, um, yeah i'll just pass yeah if, if you yeah if you could that'd be great so um actually do you know you remember the guys from fly group um yeah yep, yep. they they used to run x fighters there in spain yeah yeah, yeah, of course. They Don't have, forget. yeah sorry they they just sent through uh the super kicker so the yep. the regular 45 plans yep. they sent through a regular nine and the f the front flip because i asked them also for the rocker for the, yeah, of course, the cheetah of ramp yeah because we use that one at night of the jumps purely because they built it off of a perfect nine meter radius ramp yep. and so they're using that ramp and then they they've got this rocker that fits it and i've jumped that ramp and i, I think it was the smoothest nine i've ever jumped I, mm -hmm. I just, I don't know why. I just loved it. Maybe it was the landing and the combo. Yeah. But anyway. Sometimes you get them and they work, man. And yeah. It can be to the degree of the box. Like, this is me going way too hardcore than we do. But, like, the way the box section is and the thickness of the walls versus, you know, the actual size of it makes a huge difference. Like, one of the issues I have with American ramps is they use, like, rectangle box but they yeah. in the radius they put it the thin way and it just has so <laughs> much flex and they all end up cracking you know like just yeah. ramp like i mean this is general generalization by like at, at its biggest but random little things like that make the biggest difference in ramps and how they feel yeah, yeah that's sorry, it kind of... well this well no 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 that that's exactly what i you know when we when we had this chat like i said last year and and we were talking about this about the ramps and um i've i have joined a few facebook groups and it feels like i've stepped back 20 years to like 
FMX Australia days yeah, and freestyle MTX. I miss MTX. those days, man. They were cool. And and I'm seeing the same questions come up on these Facebook groups of, hey, who's got ramp plans? And I see yep. the same 20-year-old shitty ramp plans getting thrown around. Yep. And, and this is where I've kind of been thinking the last couple of months just to try and gather the Human right animal, pieces, yeah. get yep. the right plans and put them in one place and say, mm-hmm. this is actually what we use at every event if you go to australia you'll see them if you go to america you'll see this if you go to europe you like this is what everybody mm. uses stop building pieces of shit or maybe not pieces of shit but don't stop building old stuff like i keep seeing the old 9.1 meter radius mm. brooksy's yeah. first ever ramp that he built in like 2000 like yeah, that's yeah, and a great going around 85 feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah. it was awesome for what it was, but it's not what you see yeah. now. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, I'm basically I thought, all right, I'm just gonna put everything in one place. That's that's yeah. what I'm doing. Yeah. So my take on it, like right now going forward, I think regular say nine meter or the American version of that ramps are obsolete at the best. <laughs> um what I mean by that is, I think every, all of them, once you've jumped off that 300 millimeter wedge, mm. it is amazing. And it's a not like just as far as that world goes. And then if you want to go a bit more hardcore, sweet, go to the next gen ramp, you know, but hey, I'd probably really suggest an airbag there. <laughs> um, that, that's where I'm at with that. Like, I, this, I'm pretty, I'm a bit of a princess when it comes to riding nowadays. Like I don't need to, so I only ride the best days on the best ramps, you know. So um, I wouldn't touch a nine meter without it. There's not a chance. It just it's too much hard work, you know. <laughs> like you're trying to do the trick and you're rushing and doing all of that, and you put a bit of like loft in it. You'll be nervous the first time you jump it, but after that, it's so awesome. Stiffen up your suspension a little bit. I make sure like I, I really uh one thing I, I do like especially when you start getting poppier ramps is a stiff front end so um, th- 300 300 mil is 12 inches yeah it's a that's yeah. a good amount of pop to yeah i would go for any ramp <laughs> i would go i have jacked up the 300 mil wedge ramp um <laughs> but like as i do this i go forward so yeah. 300 mil wedge 73 feet is pretty nice Depending if you've got a tailwind 75 all day long, but yeah, you know, and then these times we've jacked it up by like a hundred mil unintentionally because we've ridden uneven surfaces and man, it was cool. Like, I love it. Um, now talking to someone like I, this is talking from my perspective and my riding experience. So, you know, I'm a guy that kind of done flips, whips and, and those kind of tricks. I was, a, uh, that was my area, you know, um, Whereas you talk to someone who does varials and fronties, they're going to yeah. tell you something different and it will be probably different to what I say and for very good reason. So I don't think there's one thing that suits everything. Um, That's it. So when I, you've got to remember I'm speaking from my experience and, and my style of riding. Um, so yeah, I think like from what I remember, the body varial guys might like flatter ramps, but yeah. that might not be to all of the goods, you know, and, and I think, I, I think Jacko, prefers a flatter ramp for his fronties but don't quote me on it this is just from what i can remember of our conversations back in the days um you know so there's we're always going to have multiple ramps 
<laughs> that's it. Just prop them up, man. You're gonna have heaps of fun. Yeah, that's it. That yeah. that was the thing that I kept finding all the way along. Is uh, yeah, it was just all these different ones popping up, and I'm like, mate, we've we've moved on from hmm. from what I yeah. was seeing on on these groups, which. That that's not a mistake by anybody. Uh, that's it's what's out there and it's freely it's available. And, yeah, and and I was like, oh man, there. I'd rather everybody kind of knew what is actually being used rather than yep. not having any idea at all. And yep. and that's where you kind of run into mistakes all the time is mm. if you don't know what you're building or if you don't mm. know why it's why why you have a rectangle and they've got it the wrong way around. Yeah, yeah, you know, those, yeah, those yeah. kind of things. So, um, yeah. yeah, one thing so I that... will say as well, just while we're talking about the rings, is <clears throat> it's a little bit more hardcore, I guess, if you want to say it that way or whatever. When you do prop them up, or they're steeper and you're going higher, I guess you go a little bit shorter. But what I found is it's I, prefer, I feel safer riding a bigger jump, a bigger, loftier jump, like let's say next gen, and doing a trick a certain, like really sending a trick out, than I do on a ramp that. Okay, it feels a bit safe to jump by itself, but a, they're a little bit more dangerous to do big tricks on. Yeah, because you, you know, don't like have to you're rushing and you're, yeah. you know, like you watch the guys that can do big roller flips like Sheeny or Javier would send them or, you know, um, Ryan Brown Remy or something and, like that. Yeah, all those boys, um, they could send them on all sorts of ramps, but they would do it and they did it on the flat one, but just be scratching it in versus when they do it on a a loftier ramp, they'd bring it back and be happy as, you know? Yeah. Um, just something to keep in mind, obviously. But yeah. Yeah, that's it. Mate, I think we've we've covered more than enough ground uh today there, tonight here. It's almost midnight. So uh I think uh if this isn't enough info for the engineers and the dedicated riders, I don't know what is. It was very specific um chat tonight and i i really enjoyed it yeah no me too it's actually quite fun um it's quite cool like it's it's very interesting because i've done two years of building and designing and, and was what it was and had it done and by the time i'd finish i was kind of finished and sweet as and, and you know when i was doing it i talked to people around around me about it obviously i don't want too many people to know um and it was very like you know that was I kind of lost that conversation. Like I haven't even really talked about it since. So, you know, what yeah. I, where I was going is I quite enjoyed it. It was quite fun. Quite <laughs> oh, it. awesome. And it's brought me back because it feels like so long ago that I was designing it. You know, I'm like, oh, shoot, that's right. I actually, you know, this and this and this and this. Um, yeah. So, no, it's quite cool. Yeah, cool. Easy as. Looking at a few things. You know, cheers for the chat. I appreciate it. Um, nice. I'll also, I'll put those ramp plans. I'll link that on my Instagram as well. Um, oh, yeah. Just because everyone's been asking me, and I'm like, yeah, I've got to do it some stage, and never have uploaded them. I just send them individually every time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that'd be cool if people can have that stuff. And yeah, if you ever got any questions about anything, feel free to ask me. Absolute legend. Thank you so much for taking so much time out of your day. I really appreciate it, and I hope everybody listening to this also does as well. I'm sure they will. So, no, uh, mate. Cheers for the chat, Steve. It's been bloody good. Can't wait. Yeah, can't wait to uh, catch up again another time whenever we're allowed to travel and see yeah. each other at some potential event. Who who may know what yeah, could happen who, yeah. in the future with you? Or I might yeah, just come down to New Zealand <laughs> for a holiday. They've probably, probably got better, more chance of seeing me here. 
Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. Thanks very much, mate. And uh, cool. we'll see you soon. Sounds good. Cheers, Steve. We'll talk later. All right. To all of you who have stuck around for the full podcast, I really hope you found that as interesting as I did. And if you're a mechanic, an engineer, or a new young rider looking to just send it in freestyle motocross, you probably found this even more exciting. I think you'll probably find you'll need to listen to this one again, just like I had to. There is so much going on with this bike. I needed to go back and double check what Levi even said to make sure I wasn't dreaming. What I would like to know though, is what parts of this new bike did you get most excited about? Or were there some aspects of the bike that maybe Levi didn't explain and you wanted to hear a little bit more on? For me personally, simply just looking at the bike, it's a marvel of engineering. Basically breaking the mold of what would be acceptable in bike design and moving parts all around just to achieve mass centralization, no matter what was in the way. If you have any questions after listening to this one, please don't hesitate to shoot them through to me at steve at invertmanagement.com or if you're lucky, Levi might catch your message on Instagram. But as you heard throughout here, he's not on social media too much. But I'm sure that if there's a good enough question and he's on there at the right time, he'll hopefully catch it and reply as well. If you listen to this as an audio podcast only, which is completely normal and the pretty much the only way we've done this since the very start, that's perfectly fine. But if you want to watch this as a video, which might have some walk around video, maybe some still images zoomed in to where we're talking about different parts, hopefully by the time you've listened to this, I have made a video. And if I did, it will be on recast.app. And I'll put a link directly in the show notes and on the writersloungepodcast.com website so you won't be able to miss it. And one thing that we did speak about in this episode as well, I have uploaded Levi's rant plans on writersloungepodcast.com website. A whole bunch of new rant plans are up there now and I'll continue to add plans for other ramps that are in constant use around the world and any other writers that may be working on some and are happy for me to put them up and make them public available, publicly available. And I really do believe in sharing this kind of knowledge freely. Some, some guys, you know, they try and keep it a secret, but I think it's great to have access for everybody to build the right ramps. And that's exactly what Levi has done with the next generation ramp, like we spoke about in this episode. Also, the new 9 meter ramp, which... Well, it doesn't sound like it's too much different to the old 9 meter radius ramp, but I can assure you there is a big difference. And I have to thank Fly Group for sending those plans over because actually the plans for the 9 meter ramp are also... The, the 9 meter ramp is the basis for the front flip ramp or the cheetah ramp or the front flip rocker, whatever you want to call it. It's actually based on that 9 meter ramp by Fly Group. So you can build yourself a nine meter standard radius ramp. And if later on down the track, you want to turn that into a front flip ramp, you can just use the exact same ramp plans and the front flip rocker is designed specifically for it. Double flip super, uh, double flip super kicker ramp plans are also up there from fly, which were used at X fighters 
We use them at night of the jumps. They're at X Games. Plus the 8 meter ramp, which is used throughout Europe, which is a bit poppier than the 9. And you'll see that at the World Championships as well. There's plenty more coming. Quarter pipes, moon booters. Keep your eyes peeled on the RidersLoungePodcast.com. And speaking of ramp plans on our website, you can also find the next gen ramp plans as a blueprint t-shirt design. And I think what would even be more beneficial than that is actually having the wall canvas of the blueprints. And they are real measurements. If you go on there, check it out. They are the real measurements for the wall canvas. And it's definitely a better way to just make your bike garage and the shed where you're welding up your ramps just to make it look that little bit better. And while you're in there building those ramps, why not grab yourself a box of Rothaus Tannen Zepfler alcohol-free beers? You'll definitely need to quench your thirst as you're cutting and welding all of that 40 millimeters by 40 millimeter box section steel while you're out in the shed. And if after all of this, you're still wondering why Levi has retired from freestyle motocross when he's clearly still killing it, you can tune in to the first interview we did last year where he explains it all. Thank you very much for tuning in to this episode and see you next time on the Riders Lounge podcast.